On this episode of This is Game Boy, a ninja, a priest and a rabbi walk into a bar. Says the bartender, nice to see you too. Welcome back to a brand new episode of This Is a Game Boy. Um, like always, I am here, Mula. So, hello, everybody. Uh, with I'm me, here. as usual, is also uh, <clears throat> E Bloody Candy. The notes still say Baltic, but it's E Bloody Candy. So, hello. That's because you write the you write the notes. That's true. I probably wrote these like three months ago or something like that. Uh, but yeah, we have a special guest here today because this is also a very special episode. And with us is Anime TV. Hello, everyone. I like that you went back to E Bloody Candy, EBC. That's, Thank you. That's a cool name. Thank yeah, you. I get confused all the time now, but... Uh... Yeah, I do too. That's why I say Tony. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's sometimes hard, but I try to... Uh to incorporate the e-bloody candy name back again. I gotta um, keep everyone on their toes. That's the biggest thing. It's like, well, I thought you were Belthick. Well, you thought wrong. That's well, right. I thought you were BBC. Well, no, you're no wrong again. Yeah, like, and it's always a lot of fun to change all of our links and uh, descriptions <laughs> it in, in everything. So, it's, it it's took me so long to switch everything back to EBC. And then as I was going through like the old stuff, like I could tell where like you or someone just like gave up because I got to the point where it was like bell thick and then like the next episode was EBC or E Bloody Candy. I was like, oh this is where they gave up. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That's how it goes. Uh but yeah anyways uh before we start with this I always say this week's episode, but we're not doing this weekly, but whatever. This this episode's game. Um, let's uh, talk a little bit about what we have been up to in the meantime. Um, I'll start because I probably have one of the shortest lists. Um, I literally played the Amnesia Collection, uh, which is The Dark Descent, Justine, which is a DLC, and A Machine for Picks. Um, I don't know why people find these games scary. Um... They were very boring, in my opinion. Um, I didn't even care about the story at all in either of them. Um, but yeah, for me, it's not scary. And maybe it's because I've played so many scary games over <laughs> the years and seen so many scary movies over the years that I've just become numb to everything. Um, but just darkness doesn't scare me. Um, I mean, you can use darkness in a good way in video games to make something scary but if it's just literally oh it's dark you can't see anything i don't know how that is supposed to scare me it actually uh maybe me off a little bit more because i can't see what the hell is going on in my game and then i have to turn on the brightness and that kind of ruins the experience as well <laughs> um, say, just turn up the brightness yeah it's like <laughs> oh i have to go somewhere but i can't see anything on my screen except for a blackness yeah that's I don't know. I don't like that kind of game design. Um, I don't think it's scary at all. I hope other types of these games are better, but usually these first-person horror games, they just don't do it for me. I can't get into them. Except for Layers of Fear. That's probably the only one I Layers of I Fear is really like. good. Yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, literally everything I've been playing. So, so. so not only did you not like it as a game, but if it's 
primarily darkness, it wasn't even a good tech demo. <laughs> uh, no, it was not. That's, no. that's disgraceful. Oh. Yeah. That's... No trip world, that's for sure. <laughs> it's no trip world. <laughs> well, they can't all be as good as trip world, a wonderful video game. Yeah, it's the most amazing tag demo to her, so you you have to give them so, credit for it. So you're not playing Rebirth, is what you're saying? Uh, Amnesia Rebirth? No. I am watching it uh, on Scary Game Squad. Um, they are playing through it, and it just looks exactly... Well, not looks exactly the same because it's in a different setting, but it's the same deal. It's like, oh, it's dark, it's I have to turn on all the lights, uh, but I can't turn all the, on all the lights because I don't have enough items, although that game is literally filled with, uh, with matches that you have to use. But it's just not fun. It's like, okay, I can't see anything. How is that supposed to scare me? My, I don't know. My big problem with like <clears throat> Amnesia and Outlast is like the resource mechanism. Mm-hmm, like Amnesia, mm-hmm. you have to have the oil for the lantern basically to like get through the game. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you just can't see sh- anything. PG thirteen, sorry, legs. And then uh, in Outlast, you got to collect those batteries for the camera to turn yeah. on the night vision. And like honestly, that ruins it for me because i'm so focused on the resource and making sure that i have the thing to continue through the game than actually pay attention to the Mm. game itself Mm. so i end up hacking the game and just having unlimited resources (laughs) that's also a way to do it yeah i must say the dlc justine and the machine for pigs do it better in justine you do not need any resources at all and in the machine for pigs you just have a lantern that always works um, that you just have to put away if, if an enemy is chasing you. So they did it better in those two things, but now in the new one, it's just straight back to the first game, and that's uh, that's quite dumb. Uh, what Amnesia does do well is, because a lot of these types of games uh, depend on being chased by a monster constantly. Um, and with constantly, I literally mean constantly. It's like yeah, you cannot take in the game because you're just running away, uh, trying not to get killed. Amnesia actually does that well. Um, there's only a few moments where you have to yeah, quote-unquote escape or hide. Um, so they did that correctly, at least. But again, the things that chase you or that try to get you, they were so lame that I, I just didn't <laughs> care at all. I didn't care. But yeah, that's uh, that's all I've been playing. Um, Baltic, what have you been up to? I played NBA Jam for the Game Boy and cramped my hand for six hours. Um, <laughs> yes. The controls. Like, the game is fun. It's NBA Jam. You miss the announcer, but it's NBA Jam. But the fact that the start button is turbo, like, mm. you gotta hold that controller real weird. Um... Outside of that, I did uh, that Shipu Iron Leaguer game that's in the Tiny Ten. <clears throat> Super fun game. Really cool game. Honestly, we should do an episode about it. Uh, it's actually really fun. Except for the soccer minigame. That game can eat one. But um, that's all I've literally been up to. I started playing Code Vein, which is anime Dark Souls, uh, because anime. But uh, outside of that, that's really all I've been up to. So we'll move on to Enemy, because I know Enemy has done a, a large marathon this past <laughs> weekend and is going to be doing some other stuff here. Yeah, before this week, 
I would have had nothing to say really about what I've been up to uh, because I was gone for uh, some 14 months, uh, at least from streaming. I was I was actually still playing some games here and there and uh, did some stuff that was outside the box. I learned, you know, Final Fantasy speedrun for Nintendo and finally got around to getting halfway decent at Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, which was the game that got me into speedrunning in earnest in the first place. But most recently, I've come back to streaming uh, and I was raising money for my kids' school, and uh, the community was absolutely beyond generous. Just absolutely crushed it. We raised almost two thousand dollars of, oh, of a goal of five hundred. <laughs> so amazing! Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So I, I hope the school is very pleased. I, I, I'm sure they are. Um, yeah, it was absolutely great. Uh, as of the recording today, the uh, the the run that for the, for which we raised the money was supposed to happen, but it's raining and lousy weather here so they got postponed a week but um yeah so for to, to raise that money uh i got it in my head that actually my wife suggested why don't you go do some streams and try to you know maybe you could raise some money that way i was like well hey, hello anxiety my old friend um <laughs> sure let me, let me just walk back through those doors and hope that anyone cares and and you know thankfully uh, people cared, and that was awesome. Uh, and and once she she had that idea, I said, okay, um, let how what's the dumbest way I can do this? And the dumbest way was let's just play seventy five games. Uh, it was it wasn't like seventy five wasn't the number that I came up with off the top of my head. It was going to be more than that, but you know, um, I thought sleep was a good idea, and thank goodness I did because that. Ooh, just the little sleep that I got during this thing was that I was rough around the edges for a lot of the marathon. <laughs> um, but you know, haven't, haven't streamed in a while. So I had to get my sea legs back about me, but yeah, we played through 75 games um, over the course of three days. So I, I think it ended up being like 38 hours of total stream time or something like that, which isn't, I mean, other people, like, like you mentioned infant mystery already, that's just a Tuesday for him. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but for, you know, us mere mortals, especially when you're out of practice with this stuff, it was, it was, surprisingly tough and uh but it was great to be back in uh in the chair streaming and and playing so much variety um god so many good games a lot of a lot of them i i had just mentioned didn't get around to playing final fantasy one but um since it is halloween season i'll, I'll mention specifically uh the g and g series but in particular super ghouls and ghosts which uh is a game i've run at gdq a game that i love hate uh, it's weird to say that I love a, a, a ghouls and ghosts game, but uh, because they don't love you back, it's a very one-way relationship. But uh, that <laughs> game's been very good to me uh, in the aggregate. And then, of course, uh, Gargoyles Quest Two, which uh, is a game I'm sure you guys are familiar with, at least the Game Boy version. Um, yep. I, I played the NES version, but I think they're very similar. Um, it, it's uh, it's it's a wonderful game. They're they're both wonderful games, but that that NES game is uh, is great. Um, real a late model NES game, and you know they're really squeezing as much as they can out of the system at that point. So, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun, a lot of fun doing the marathon, a lot of fun with those two games in particular, and uh, and I did get to play the game we're talking about today uh, as well as part of the marathon, which is Ninja Gaiden <laughs> Shadow. Um, so, yeah. so that that was my prep for the, the podcast today. Just uh, it's it's one of seventy five. That'll probably be sufficient to uh, jog my memory, and I I feel like it was. I I had your stream on in the background the entire weekend, and I remember I woke up from a nap, and I hear this boom 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 boom. I'm like I'm like oh that sound sounds so familiar, and I hear this 
Yep. I'm like, oh no, he's playing Barbie. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Just immediately do it after like two sound effects. Yeah. When when you throw together something that covers such a wide swath of games like that, and and you want a lot of volume because you know you want to uh, you provide en- uh, enough content where people care <laughs> and are interested. Uh, and you know, in our case, donate because it was for charity. Really, um, you have you have to get what you can get on there. And that I, while I know more Game Boy games than Barbie and Crayon Shinchan Four, uh, and technically don't even know Kirby, uh, although I feel like you gave me some propers for Kirby, which I, I felt like it went way better than I expected. To be honest, get a sub, get a sub twenty. You're good. Yeah, I got yeah, I got like a low nineteen. I think you said I got so yeah. Um, so yeah, sufficient. Um, but yeah, I just you know, it's like I can do this without de-rusting because there's there's only so many hours of the day in, in that in that amount of volume. Oh, yeah. You can only you have to pick and choose what you de-rust because it's just not all gonna happen. So uh, Barbie made the cut, Crash <laughs> and Chan made the cut, uh, and uh, and it, it all worked out. Hey, Bar- Barbie's a fun game though. I don't care. I don't care what anyone says. It and it's really easy <laughs> once you know what to do. I don't know how anyone would get through. The, uh, that final stage with all the doors, if you were just uh, doing it blind, that would, that would be a beast. You eventually just get to the point where, like, even if you've entered through every door wrong, it just gets you to the end. That seems like something that game would do, yeah. I, I've, I, I've, I've done it before. I was like, I wonder if there's a faster way through this. And Yeah, you eventually, it just eventually just takes you to the final door. <laughs> <That's>, okay, <laughs> yeah. I should have seen that coming. Yeah, yeah. yeah, or you can There's just a... be like me and skip four of the stages of the game. Like, that's yeah. that's that's always a fun thing to do. Wait, how's yeah, that? Start... No one knows. Yes. <laughs> oh, it was just like some wacky, weird thing that happened one time. Yeah, he, he, yeah. So like, Mo was in stage two of the uh, uh, when you're the mermaid, mm-hmm. and there's a glitch in the game where if the if the falling plank like hits like a sub pixel or pixel outside of your hitbox, it actually cuts the music and resets it. Okay. And then Mo finished the stage and literally just like warped to the final stage. Huh. <laughs> That's interesting. But I, I I know glitches in the game that you can go out of bounds and overflow the game and just crash it. Yep. It's really easy to do. <laughs> it's really well programmed. I. I love stuff like that in games. That's one of the the great aspects of speedrunning that I I really enjoy. Even though that's not you know a primary focus of mine or even a secondary focus, but stuff like that when you stumble across it, it's just so interesting and, and how we can bring more juice out of these games after you know thirty years of them existing yeah. or whatever. That's that's so neat to me. Yeah, I mean, like look at Super Mario Brothers one. Everyone thought that record was dead when <laughs> right. Starbian got it right, and then yeah. now it's it's still going down. Oh, it's yeah. like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's insane. But uh, yeah, so Mo, what uh, what 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 game are we talking about today? <laughs> well, Anime mentioned it already, of course, uh, but we're talking about Ninja Gaiden Shadow. Uh, for Game Boy, so we will dive into what this game is all about right after this banger of a song.
Alright, welcome back everybody. What was that? What the hell is this big paragraph before the normal stuff? <laughs> well, that's something we have to address uh, first, so uh, let's get the elephant out of the room before we actually dive into the game. Um, a lot of people know this game and the they are probably immediately going to say, Oh, but this is not Ninja Gaiden, this is Shadow of the Ninja. You are technically correct. So this game was originally under development as a Shadow of the Ninja game. And for people who don't know what Shadow of the Ninja is, it was basically Natsume's clone of Ninja Gaiden for NES. Um, and it was even promoted in one of the issues of Nintendo Power as an upcoming uh, Shadow of the Ninja game for Game Boy. But later in production, near the end, they actually changed it into a Ninja Gaiden game. Um, why? Nobody really knows because there, there's no information about it, but it's probably due to the fact that the Ninja Gaiden franchise was just way more popular than Shadow of the Ninja, because uh, Ninja Gaiden already had all three games uh, at this point. There was only one Shadow of the Ninja game uh, out there. Like, the, the, the second Shadow of the Ninja game actually came out in 2000, I believe, for Game Boy Color, so there's a, a big gap in between uh, those things. So, from a marketing point of view, it would have been better just to go with Ninja Gaiden because it would just sell more copies, like, period. That's probably the only reason why they did it. Um, and yeah, like I said, this was a Ninja Gaiden clone to begin with, so it kind of makes sense that they would just revert it into a Ninja Gaiden game anyways. Um, but yeah, Natsume, the creators of Shadow of the Ninja, uh, pr pretty much made the entirety of the game up until the end, and then Tecmo came in and just uh, changed around some sprites, changed the story a little bit to tie in with the other Ninja Gaiden games, and so on. But this is also the only time ever that these two companies work together for a video game, which is kind of weird. It's something that never actually happened back in those days because they were all competitors. Like nowadays you have Nintendo, Sega working together and things like that, that's pretty normal. But back then it was actually a pretty big deal that they went for this. Um, anyways, um, so yeah, saying this game is not a Ninja Shadow game is basically wrong because they did make it into a Ninja Gaiden game. Um, so you cannot say anymore that it's Shadow of the Ninja. Not at all because they completely rechanged it. There's no version out there that is actually Shadow of the Ninja. Maybe there's a beta version somewhere in the atmosphere but nobody has ever seen it before. So yes, this is a Ninja Gaiden game and we are gonna uh, talk about it like it is a Ninja Gaiden game. Um, saying it isn't is like saying that Journey to Silius is actually Terminator. Also true, but they changed it into Journey to Silius, so you can't say that it's a Terminator game. Same goes for another example, Devil May Cry was first meant to be a Resident Evil game, but they changed it to Devil May Cry, so now it's a Devil May Cry game, so... Um, I think people should really stop saying, no, this is, this is Shadow of the Ninja, it's not, it's Ninja Gaiden. There we go. So yeah, that's our intro to this game. <coughs> huh. Before we get going more, since this is a Natsume game, I don't know if there would be like a good opportunity to talk about Natsume, but I have a little bit of like a weird Natsume story. Um, I love Natsume games. I, I'm a big fan of music from this area in video games. Like I, I, <laughs> I, I played Abadox a lot growing up, and I uh, nominally I still speedrun it. Um, but a big fan of that game. Um, and then 
uh, I found out about Shatterhand, uh, you know, a few years back, and that's just such a blowaway game. It kind of mixes <laughs> the, the appealing music uh, and, and, like, level select stuff of uh, Mega Man, and it you know, has that action quality kind of more similar to, I guess, a Castlevania um, without a whip. And, and then, you know, you get into Shadow, or what's the NES game called Shadow, uh, or what the heck is it? It's, it's, it says it right here, Shadow, uh, Shadow Warriors, that's it. Is that, no, it's Sh Warrior of the Shadow. What the heck is the NES game called that this is based on? <laughs> the Shadow of the Ninja. Shadow of the, the Ninja, whatever, yeah, yeah. combination or, of Ninja, or, Shadow, or, and Warrior. <laughs> Or Blue Shadow in Europe, actually. Oh, well, see, that's why I was confused, because I was thinking the European <laughs> name. <laughs> anyway, so so Natsume put out all these great games, and it just, like, everyone knows the Konami sound profile and the Capcom sound profile and, you know, first-party Nintendo sound stuff. And then, like, Natsume kind of, I, I feel like, flew under the radar. It is so good on so many different levels um, with, with, with those games. And... So, every once in a while, like Natsume put out that that Wild uh, Guns remake a few years back, and yeah, yeah, yeah. and they keep uh, they keep doing stuff like uh, Harvest Moon. I don't know if it's remakes or new games or whatever um, games that I've never really I've played a little bit of Wild Guns, but you know um, I got the remake actually. Uh, but I you know I don't know that them so much. So I'm always like being a, a cheeky fella. I'm like. Re remake Abadox, you cowards. So do you, do you know what they told me? They actually responded to me. Do you want to know what they said? They said, they said, there are two different Natsumes. We're the other Natsume. Leave us alone. <laughs> <laughs> which which I, I, I honestly got, they may or may not have actually said leave us alone, but the tone was clearly leave us alone. Um, well, there are, there are two of them, yeah. So there are actually two, because I thought that was just like their social media coordinator, like, Ah, this idiot. Abadox in 2020. Yeah, that's definitely going to happen, fella. You know, I thought there was just their way of saying kiss off. Uh, so, that, okay, so there were two Natsumes. Really? That That's wild. How is, how, yeah. how is any yeah, of this? Let's, <laughs> yeah, so we always go uh, over to developer anyway. So, yeah, this was Natsume. And back then, I think it was still the same company. Um they yeah, started as just Natsume, uh, one company, but later they got split into Natsume Atari and Natsume Inc. Um, so that's that's why there's two now, actually. So which one's which? How, how would I know? <laughs> Natsume so, Atari, Natsume Inc. <clears throat> so the games that are produced under Natsume Inc. is the pre-split, basically. That's where your, your Abidox is at, and... Our amazing penguin Spanky's Quest, Ninja Gaiden ah, Shadow, Spanky's Quest, yeah, Tailgater, yeah, and then in the midish '90s is when um, the split would happen, basically between Nasume Inc. and Nasume Atari. So, I think the official name changed from Nasume Co. to Nasume Atari in like 2013. So those those Natsume Inc. games, they just in the ether for for now slash they're, forever. They're probably in some person's closet on a floppy uh -huh. disk. Yeah. <laughs> That's a shame. Mo right. Most likely. Yeah. I really want to But your but your Nasume Atari's like that's your Ninja Warriors, your amazing Power Rangers Zero Battle Racers. Sure. Okay. 
Um, All those games Game that are getting Boy remade, Co I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Game Boy Color, your Tony Hawk Pro Skaters for Game Boy Color. Um, yeah, Road to WrestleMania on GBA. <laughs> of course. I mean, who, who can't forget? Kirby Squeak Squad. I mean... <laughs> I love how deep you go with this stuff. It's so fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of uh, confusing naming schemes... Oh, uh, yes. Let's, let's, let's go into the naming conventions for these Ninja yeah. Gaiden games. So, everybody just knows Ninja Gaiden. Sure, okay, that's a well-established name. But, of course, in Europe, it was released under the name Shadow Warriors. Um, the reasoning behind that I kind of briefly touched upon during the Turtles episode where they changed Ninja, Ninja to Heroes. Mm -hmm. um, I think I said back then that it was because of Germany. Uh, not true. Actually, it's because of the UK. Um, I was going to say, I always the, heard it was England that was yeah, it's, weird about the word there's, there's, <laughs> Yeah, there's like two censorships going on in Europe. One coming from the UK, the other coming from Germany. Uh, Germany is mostly be uh, blood that gets changed into green or blue in instead of red. Uh, things like that. Also, no mentioning of Hitler or anything of that. So that that's not possible. But the ninja thing came from uh, the UK where during the 80s they just literally banned the word ninja and everything associated with it. So the nunchucks from Michelangelo were not allowed in Europe. Uh, in the cartoon, they actually changed it after season three in the US as well to a whip, I believe, or a rope or something like that. It, it's just dumb. But yeah, that's why um, in Europe we know the game as uh, Shadow Warriors. Um, and that goes for the NES version as well as the Game Boy version. So this game just came out as Shadow Warriors in Europe. Um, so in America, it came out as Ninja Gaiden Shadow, um, which is fine, which kind of goes into the whole thing that it's actually a shadow, uh, shadow, Jesus, see, now I'm even getting confused. Sh shadow of the Ninja. <laughs> shadow of the Ninja game, that was kind of the reference to that, but it can also just be because we call it Shadow Warriors in Europe, so that's already uh, weird. Um, in Japan, this is called Ninja Ryakenden. I'm yeah. not sure what Warayu can then means, but I know the, the, the main guy is called uh, Ryu, but yeah. I'm not sure what, what Ryu... Is it Ryu Kenden or Ryu Ken? Again, they're another naming convention that yeah. makes no sense. Um, but if that's not even enough, this game also got a release in Asia, and there it's called Ninja Skyscraper Fight, which absolutely makes no sense. It does. Uh, it actually makes, oh, it perfect makes perfect sense. Because it's in New York, I guess, there's a yeah. lot of skyscrapers, sure, yeah. but besides that, it has no, like, tie into any of the well, other Plus you games. use the, the grapple to climb up everything, which I guess makes them skyscrapers on some level. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, that I guess. Makes, makes more sense than uh, changing Ninja Gaiden to Shadow Warriors. <laughs> blue, yeah. blue Shadow. Well, yeah, like, yeah or Blue, blue Shadow. Blue, yeah. He's purple. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, the, the guy from Shadow of the Ninja is actually blue, so that made sense. But, uh, yeah, they, they have a lot of fun with these naming conventions just because of censoring uh, everything. But, yeah, this let's just call it Ninja Gaiden Shadow because that's really what it is. <laughs> sure. Um, and to touch off of all of that, so after all the fun names, uh, this thing came out in Japan and in America... Uh, in December of 1991, and then would come out in Europe in 92, which 
from what we've seen, kind of isn't a surprise. Your ball usually always gets it later. Yeah, so. usually a, like a month later. So that's probably January or something. Yeah. And then Asia's comes out in 1992 as well. So pretty close. It's nothing like Dr. Franken 2 where there's seven years difference. So that's good. <laughs> yeah. Um. So we've already touched base on the developer, Nasube, Amazing Penguin, probably the most amazing Game Boy game. Uh, Tecmo, <laughs> though, we didn't touch base much on the publisher, Tecmo. No one really knows who Tecmo is. Um, they make <laughs> a couple football games and then, like a Solomon game, but... Yeah, besides that, nothing to mention. Like, uh, Yeah, Bo yeah. Jackson's Quest for the End Zone. That was a pretty hot RPG back in the day. Um... <laughs> Yeah, uh, Guy Guy Rygar is that was it, you had no lives in that game and it made no sense. I, I liked I liked Rygar. No, Rygar is yeah. actually awesome. <laughs> yeah, it is. It really is. Except I for mean, the they... European version, which is not awesome uh, because you can't get enough experience points in there to get a full health meter. So, oh, I've never played the European version. Yeah, just don't. Unless you're a speedrunner, then it doesn't matter, of course, if you have full health or not. But uh, speed running. Yeah. Good who one. does that? Who does that? Um, yeah, we have the composer for this game. Uh, no, to no surprise, because this is a pretty popular game, actually. Uh, but the composer for this is Hiroyuki Iwatsuki. Wow, that's a very rhyming name, actually. Um, yeah, made a lot, a lot, a lot of soundtracks. Uh, just for Game Boy, Tailgater was one of them, uh, like I mentioned before. Uh, but another few games that uh, they did were, of course, Ninja Gaiden Shadow, because we we're talking about that. Shatterhand, Pocky and Rocky. That's a that's a very um, well known game. Wild Guns, yeah. like Enemy mentioned. Uh, Spanky. Spanky's Quest, sure. Uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, a fighting edition. I have no idea what that is, but uh, a lot of the Power Rangers games, some Gundam games here and there. Um, Half Minute Hero, that's a fun game. That's a, a wow. pretty new newish game. Well, newish 2009 is, I guess, not that newish anymore. Uh, 2009 yeah, is no, basically yesterday, Mo. Yeah, basically. <laughs> that's basically. That's true. And, of course, the, the Wild Guns Reloaded soundtrack. Um, but, yeah, a lot of people, uh, of course, know the Stage 3 music because it's literally Unbreakable Determination from the first Ninja Gaiden game. <laughs> and, in my opinion, this is actually the best rendition of that song. Um, it pops a lot more than the NES version. At least that's that's my opinion. I I'm sorry, are we going to sit here and not give proper respect to the Ninja Gaiden Trilogy version of Unbreakable Determination? I have not uh, heard that one. Oh so my goodness. Well, 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 Mo, how do you feel that about That might be Marimba? the better one. <laughs> how do you feel about Marimba? Because let me tell you, yo dog, I heard you liked Marimba, so he puts some Marimba <laughs> in your Marimba. In your okay. unbreakable determination, it is—it's so absurd. They made this game for the Super Nintendo, and they were like, "What if? What if we took this beloved trilogy with well-known, excellent music and completely ruined it?" <laughs> and then they put it out and charged like eighty dollars for it. You know, wow. as you do. Okay. <laughs> they were twenty-one years old when they did the Ninja Gaiden Shadow. Um, That's OST. In, man. That is great. Imagine being so good at your job at that uh, a young of an age. That boy, I wish I had talent. 
I can't even <laughs> tell stories publicly what I did when I was 21. I, <laughs> true. <laughs> I had a job. And, and, and I, I did to too. Like, no, no, my point is like, I, I guess there's like 10% of the way there. You know, I wasn't making legendary music for a legendary video game series. That's for I had, sure. I had, a, I had a really shitty job and I went to went to school for a degree that I don't even use. There you go. Uh, yeah, pretty, pretty much how it was 10 years ago. Yeah. yeah. Sounds about correct. It, yeah. It's kind of... What's really interesting about knowing this composer is that typically in-house composers like don't ever get acknowledged at all. And what I've talked about with uh, with uh, J- Jace Austin, the the developer for Alien Three, is that a lot of times like some of the music is even like done by the developer themselves too, just because it has to get done in such a short amount of time. So like actually seeing the composer. For an in-house composer for an Asume and actually seeing all of their work, or at least assumingly all of their work actually accredited, is actually super cool and actually really rare to see. So, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, especially back yeah. in those days where you saw a lot of the, the code names or the pseudonyms in, in the credits and... You know, some of which, you know, fortunately, if with uh, 30 years of hindsight, we're able to figure out who everyone is. Some people, it's a lot trickier to, to figure that stuff yeah. out. And, I mean, you guys just provided me, you know, a, a bit of a, a master's class on this. Because I, I had no idea who the composer was. never paid attention to the credits at, at the end, to be perfectly honest. Uh, but, I mean, you're just rattling off. Uh, banger soundtrack after banger soundtrack and and that what a what an eye-opening discovery that's so great because like i said i i do really love and appreciate game music from this era and and the constraints that they had to work under and still to be able to put out something like unbreakable determination or um that the, the stage five song which i know you're about to get into um like it, incredible incredible the, yeah. the, the work that can be done on on a platform like the game boy for example yeah, I'll uh, I'll dive back into like the soundtrack of this game in specifically, which is absolutely amazing. It's it's one of the best soundtracks on Game Boy out there. Not only because uh, they have renditions of songs from other games, like the normal boss music in this game is the same as the well, the same. It's based on the boss music in in uh, in Ninja Gaiden One. Uh, the final boss track for this game is actually the final boss track of Shadow of the Ninja with a new rendition. Stage three music, like I said, is Unbreakable Determination, which is the most known song from Ninja Gaiden. Uh, yep. Absolutely. Uh, stage five is the music from Stage Four One from Ninja Gaiden Three: Ancient Ship of Doom. But all the other songs are actually original compositions. But they have hints of the songs of the Shadow of the Ninja game, which is really cool. Like, if you listen to the soundtrack of Shadow of the Ninja, you can hear the start and you hear a few notes. And then if you listen to the Game Boy version, you hear those notes, but then it becomes a completely different song, which is absolutely cool. That they this composer did get influenced by the music, but also just made its own thing with it, and that's absolutely cool. Besides the new renditions of older songs. The only song I don't like in this in this game is the boss music. I don't like the... Yeah, that's the Ninja Gaiden boss music. <laughs> do, you, do you not like it in Ninja Gaiden? Like, uh, the proper no, Ninja Gaiden I don't, games also? I don't, even, I don't even like it in Silkworm, so... <laughs> 
know it was in Silkworm. That's okay. It's pretty close, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I think I, I I imagine that some of those um, callbacks to Ninja Gaiden didn't happen until obviously it was under the Tecmo umbrella. I imagine yeah. those were somewhat late changes. Um, so I I'd actually be curious to to know what if any music they had in that place in, in lieu of the Ninja Gaiden songs. Um, I I believe there's a standard boss track in uh, Shadow of the Ninja for NES as well, so they probably would have fallen back on there or some rendition of that. But uh, yeah, yeah, I uh, can't help but wonder what would have been in place of uh, the Stage 3 and the Stage 5 songs had they kept it uh, as, as separate from uh, the Tecmo umbrella. Yeah, would be nice to, of course, contact the composer. But again, we can't contact Japanese people because they don't understand us anyway. So they they, uh, they do have a Twitter. Yeah, we can always try, but hmm. uh, I I doubt that something will will come out of it. But uh, yeah, sometimes if you listen to the soundtracks of these games, there are unused songs, but right. those are usually songs that are present on the actual ROM of the game. Um, this one doesn't have any unused songs as far as I know, so um, they probably just scrapped them completely or replaced them. Yeah, I have no idea. But uh, plot. So this the plot of this game is actually kind of interesting in the sense that it's a prequel to Ninja Gaiden. So <clears throat> let me get my plot voice ready here. <laughs> Prequel to Ninja Gaiden, taking place three years before the historic battle with... What the heck is that name? Hwakio? Jackio. 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 Yeah, like like the like JFK's wife, Jackio. That's... Yeah. <laughs> for, for all your listeners who are in the 60-plus uh, demographic. <laughs> we, we have plenty of them. Uh. And also American. <laughs> Prequel to Ninja Gaiden, taking place three years before the historic battle with Jackio. In 1985, the Emperor Golf Garuda suddenly appeared, and the terrible death and destruction began. People's fear and despair only make me stronger. It's time for all the people in the world to bow down before me. Just when everyone had given up all hope of resisting Golf's overwhelming strength, a lone shadow appeared. His name is Ryu Hayabusa. Yeah, we're going with that. The last of the Dragon Clan. (laughs) Of course, Ryu had no way of knowing the evil emperor was an underlying... Underling... Underling... Man, reading's really hard this early in the morning. (laughs) Had no way of knowing the evil emperor was an underling of Ryu's arch-rival, Jakio. 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 Joaquin... Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> oh boy. Good job. Good read. Good read. Amazing. Long story yeah. short, e- evil bad guy, cool ninja superhero. They do battle. The end. That's Maru's Maru's mission minus the girlfriend, a- and I guess some other things are different too. <laughs> Like this a is lot a video of things, game. probably. Yeah, yeah. Some people uh, might recognize the name Garuda, 
because that is actually the boss of Shadow of the Ninja. So yeah, yeah. Uh, they they just changed him. Um, he's called Golf in the European and American version, but in uh, the Japanese version, he's still called Gerudo. Uh, if you look at the intro for the game, it's basically almost the same intro as the NES game, uh, Shadow of the Ninja. But whereas Gerudo is like an old man in that one, um, they changed him into like a 30-year-old in this one or something. I don't know. They just made it look more like a Ninja Gaiden villain than a, than a Shadow of the Ninja film, basically. You know, you mentioned that intro. That's another reused song. Reused. Perfect. Um, another song from a Ninja Gaiden game from Ninja Gaiden 2. That's actually the intro theme from Ninja Gaiden 2 that's in the yeah, intro of Ninja go. Gaiden Shadow, which is just a, a fire track. Amazing all these things they used. Yeah, the it's, I mean, hey, if you're going to bring it in under the Ninja Gaiden umbrella, you might as well leverage some of the great stuff yeah. that makes the series as amazing as it is. And I mean, you know, why not? Absolutely. And they had already three games to pick things from, so... Yeah. Sorry, door music. Alright. Uh, gameplay. Gameplay. So the controls in this game play, I guess, like a Ninja Gaiden game. I don't have a lot of experience in, like, the NES Ninja mm -hmm. Gaidens. Like, I've only really ever played the Game Boy and Ninja Gaiden Black for, what was it, Xbox, whatever it was. So... Oh, man. Yeah, that's, I mean, completely different thing altogether. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I, I've, I've played Ninja Gaiden 1 on NES. I had it growing up. So, like, I'm a little bit more familiar. I'm more familiar with that game than any of the other NESs. But for the most part, the Game Boy one felt pretty similar to that of... The NES one, where if you attack, you're standing still, you jump. If you jump attack, you can move forward. Um, the only difference, really, is the grappling hook. That's a big difference, but it's, I would say it's not the only one, because the, the, the pacing of the game, first and foremost, is, is much slower in the, the Game Boy version. Um, I imagine some of that is just due to hardware constraints, but also to simplify it, because, it, uh, you know... You got the smaller screen. You got less uh, fidelity of uh, the visuals as well. So I think probably trying to if, if they did endeavor to, to cram as much stuff in as they have in Ninja Gaiden in terms of the enemies that you have to navigate through, um, that might be a bit much. Uh, so I think it was actually a pretty good change, and it definitely makes the game a lot more inviting as a new player. I believe that Ninja Gaiden Shadow was actually the first Ninja Gaiden game that I really. Uh, beat. I, th I think that might be true. I certainly grew up with Ninja Gaiden and Ninja Gaiden 2 as well, and then came to speedrun those games later, but I certainly speedrun uh, speedrun? I came to speedrun Ninja Gaiden Shadow <laughs> first of, of the Ninja Gaiden games that, that I run, and um, it's, yeah, it's it does have a, a different feel to it uh, because it is, it is I would say like more I mean, if you wanted to like be charitable, you'd say methodical, I guess. But it's just it's a slower pace, and and that might sound inherently negative, but it's really not. It's just a different feel to it that you get used to. Um, when you're playing Ninja Gaiden or Ninja Gaiden Two or Ninja Gaiden Three, I just have less familiarity with that. There's there's such a, a rhythm to it, and and while that exists in this version, it's definitely a very different rhythm. Um, uh, you know, a much slower That's fair. one. Yeah. yeah, and and like you mentioned, the grappling hook. Um, there, you know, you're just not bouncing off of enemies to to navigate in this game. In the way there's there's a couple two and three times throughout the game where you do that, 
um, if, if you want to be real real cheeky and, and real fast through the game. But for the most part, it's here's the enemy that's right in front of you, or here's the two enemies that are right in front of you. Stop and kill one, sure. stop and kill the next one. <laughs> and you can't, you really can't do that in the NES games too often. A little <laughs> bit more in Ninja Gaiden 2, but Ninja Gaiden 1, stop is death. Yeah. Stopping is death yeah. in Ninja Gaiden 1, so... Yeah, for sure. Like, the the pacing, like, thinking about it now, like, yeah, the pacing's definitely very different because, like, in Ninja Gaiden 1, there's no stopping. It's no. you're holding left or you're holding right and continually hitting the B button to attack versus in Ninja Gaiden Shadow, probably prohibited due to hardware restraints, that there aren't all that many enemies in a stage. Yeah. Like, like mm-hmm. there, there's enough to be like, okay, well, there's an enemy, there's an enemy, but like it's nothing like the NES version where you're gonna have two birds swooping at you with a cat running behind you and <laughs> right. some idiot in a robe throwing crosses at you at the front, right? Yeah. So like you don't have all that going on in <laughs> in Ninja Gaiden Shadow, so no, and and actually you raise an interesting point because there there is a less diverse cast of enemies as well. Which yeah. I, which is certainly the influence of Natsume uh, on on the original development of the game. I'm I'm sure because you know, <clears throat> everything is more um, mechanical soldier type feel to it. Um, a lot more are mech type uh, characters in there. Um, yeah, and, and you know uh, guys walking around with guns, not running around or just walking back and forth shooting triple shots. Um, yeah, it, it it definitely has a, a different. Um, appearance and style in in terms of the enemies too but it's yeah it's yeah. uh yeah it definitely has a little bit different feel and and i think it works pretty well and even like comparing the enemies to the nes version is even the enemies are very different like yeah you have the soldiers that shoot ninja gaiden on nes but like some of the soldiers in this game have shields where you just, you can't attack them unless they put their shield down or some of the enemies you just outright can't kill or uh some of them are like the, from the batman game where you land on a platform and they speed up 14 times speed and they shoot fire and things like that like there's a whole sorts of like different set of enemies that are just very unique to the ninja gaiden shadow game itself yeah um and then on top of that what one thing that i've always confused me about ninja gaiden shadow because like i look at games that came out before Ninja Gaiden Shadow, right? You got Super Mario Land 1, um, I can't think of any more off the top of my head, uh, Fall of the Foot Clan, mm-hmm. what, uh, not Dreamland yet, but, no. you know, you have a few others before then, that had multiple power-ups throughout the throughout the game, right? Mario mm-hmm. Land, you had a mushroom, you had the fire, fire flower, and then you turn into a, 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 a submarine and a plane and things like that. But in Ninja Gaiden Shadow, you only get what looks like the fire wheel. Right. But yeah. Ninja Gaiden is very well known for its crazy power-ups, like the fire wheel, the uh, the shield thing that flips around you, and the uh, spin jump attack thing. Yep. The, like, there's just so many cool like power-ups from the Ninja Gaiden series. It's like, why do they just choose fire wheel? Like, is that something that's catered to... Uh, ninja Shadow of the Ninja, like is that I I because I've never played Shadow no, of the Ninja before. Absolutely so. not, because like Shadow of the Ninja has a lot of power ups you can use or different weapons, and the way that Shadow of the Ninja plays is more like uh, ranged attack uh, attack. Sorry, um, like 
at the start you can only just do a normal swing, I think, but like one minute into the game you have this like projectile that comes out of your sword to take down enemies. So that's completely different and it also has a lot of power-ups throughout the game, like you can throw bombs and, and throw stars and things like that, so um, it's definitely not the influence of this being a uh, uh, Shadow of the Ninja game before Ninja Gaiden, so it, it's just its own thing, and um, yeah, it's, it's kind of weird, because the enemies do appear to be more mechanical like in Shadow of the Ninja, uh, but in Shadow of the Ninja in the NES version you actually have to hit them multiple times to kill them, but this one it's just like Ninja Gaiden where you hit them once and they're they're just gone, so um, I think it's more because of the limitations of the system, and this was still a pretty early game for Game Boy, uh, for starters, so I think it's, it's really just um, at that point in time they just didn't know they could put so much more into a game. Uh, because they probably ran out of space already. Well, I, we I think as well, I mean, if you compare some of the power-ups from the games you're talking about, they are, like, so for example, Super Mario Land, you can get the, the, the mushroom and then Mario's sprite grows a little bit. Or you can get the fire flower and you can shoot one circle <laughs> on screen yeah. at a time. One, one bouncy ball. <laughs> so you compare that to what you get with the art of the fire wheel in Ninja Gaiden Shadow. And it's demonstrably different. It it, it looks it's true. like the fire... In fact, in some ways, you could argue it looks better than the fire wheel from the NES games because it takes up <coughs> such a big swath of the screen. Um, which I know, I mean, it's a smaller screen, but but still, it, it's really well designed for the Game Boy. And, I you know, I obviously Spin Slash, they probably could have made work. Although, I think by that point, they realized Spin Slash was way too OP, because they took it out in Ninja Gaiden 2 <laughs> as well. Um, and uh, and I guess uh, the Art of the Invincible Fire Wheel that you had mentioned before, that would maybe feel a little bit redundant. But the Art of the Fire Wheel is such a versatile weapon anyway throughout the series. It's, it's definitely a good, you know, uh, if not the good primary, then a, definitely a good fallback in, in case you don't have the primary uh, sub-weapon that you'd like. Um, so I think that if they're only going to choose one, they nailed it. Uh, you know, a lot of people would say like, oh, why not a shuriken? Why not the windmill shuriken? Nope. Nope. The art of the fire wheel was the way to go. And, and I think, you know, uh, like I said, they, they made it look pretty cool. So if, if, if they had to scale it back or if they just chose to scale back the Ninpo uh, options in there, I think they, they made the right choice. We could chalk it up to, since this being a prequel, Ryu had, uh, didn't have the, uh, the skill points to learn the other stuff. Yet. Yeah, that's right. He was a, a, a burgeoning ninja. He had not yet <laughs> completed his training. So uh, yeah, yeah, all, he, yeah. He, he was just he was just a, a guy who played with fire at that point, really, and wore a mask. Looking like I had to relook up games that came out in '91. So we had Metroid Two, Belmont's Revenge, Mega Man One, Operation C, Battle Toads, Mega Man Two, apparently. Back to the sewer, back from the sewers, not back to the sewers. They should go back to the sewers, to be fair. <laughs> Avenging Spirit, uh, Fortified Zone. Like, 91 was filled with some pretty baller games. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Good, jo good job, that 91. A, that was a good, good year for a Game Boy, absolutely. Yeah. Good job, 1991. Yeah. I knew you had it in you. 
Uh, to go be, so before we move on, to go over the controls for those that have never played a Ninja Gaiden game before their <laughs> life. A jumps, B attacks, down ducks. In this game, up A is your grappling hook. You'll use it fairly often in the later stages and during boss fights, which we'll get to in a minute. Down A lets you drop from platforms and hang, which can't. I, I know you can't do that in one, can you? But can you do that in Ninja Gaiden two or three? I've never played two or three, so. <laughs> You know, I should really know the answer to that, especially for two. Certainly in three you can, because that's a, a lot of the navigation through some of those stages is getting up yeah. onto a platform, dropping down before you get clobbered by something. Uh, in Ninja Gaiden 2, I don't really... No, you don't do that in Ninja Gaiden 2. You just basically get knocked around by enemies to you know navigate to where you want to get to, at least the way I play it. Um, which sounds like I'm an incompetent, but it, it, I'm actually halfway decent at that game. So that's that's just part of the uh, the, the fun of uh, doing speedrun nonsense. Yeah. And then, oh, oh good. No, oh, okay. Yeah, like a lot of people say this plays more similar to um, Shadow of the Ninja game, but I feel like that's not true at all um, after playing the game myself. Like I mentioned, like you need to do multiple hits on enemies and things like that, and you have more of a ranged attack in that game than like in Ninja Gaiden, where you usually just use your sword for most of the things, plus your power-ups. Um, but a lot of people also say, oh, but the grappling hook, the grappling hook, yeah, but uh, Shadow of the Ninja doesn't have a grappling hook. Right. This is, like, actually something made for this game, probably due to the fact that they couldn't program in the wall climbing of Ninja Gaiden. Um, why didn't they... Weren't they able to do that? Probably because the screens are not really designed to do wall climbing in this game at all um it's also a very hard thing to actually put into a game at this point in 91 that's like the what the second year of game third year of game boy so yeah so it, it was definitely harder to do so yeah you still need a way to get up things um there are no ladders in this game so yeah why not just go with uh with a grappling hook and i think it works really well for uh for a thing like this and I mean, to be fair, the, the screen is small. Like, let's look at games like Batman, for example, those really tight corridors that you have to jump wall to wall on. Y'all hate yeah. them. I don't say that you don't. I know y'all do. I hate them. I hated them <laughs> when I was a kid. I still hate them as a 33-year-old adult. Now, to say, like, oh, I wouldn't mind that on the game. Well, yeah, you would have. Right, you would have been mad. Then this game would have gotten poor reviews, and we would never have had a podcast episode about it. So I don't want to hear any complaints <laughs> at all. Um, and then, yeah, the up B is the fire wheel that we just talked about. And you have to have the, was Shin, Shinpo? Shinpo? Ninpo. Shin, Ninpo is the, Nin, the magic Ninpo. Have, yeah. Yeah, the little, the, the character, yeah, the, yep, the stuff. Um, <laughs> the power of meter, <laughs> that's not really a meter. Uh, you can have up to five uh, Ninpo, so you can shoot up to five fire wheels. Uh, if you don't have any Ninpo, then you just look like an idiot, so, um... Yeah, stages. Uh, stage one, ruined city or some construction site. I like uh, some construction site better. Um, <laughs> stage one's your run-of-the-mill, hold right, kill enemies. Uh, basically, your tutorial stage of how to use your little sword thing, how to use your grappling hook, because you do need it within the first screen. And uh, just a little bit of what's to be thrown at you. I call this the Metal Gear stage. Because, like, you have the things that shoot rockets, then you have the weird mechanical mech thing at the end, which apparently is called a spider. I, I called it Metal Gear. Um, 
yeah, I don't know. There's really not much to say about this stage at all. It's just your, hey, here's some stuff. This is how to use it. Uh, good luck. Spider kind of looks like Cyber Ninja Gray Fox a little bit. Yeah, 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 a little bit. Except, you know, except when he's, you know, walk, crawling around like a spider. Um, yeah, he has that, eight it. legs. No, but, you know, I mean, you, you, you work with the body parts that you're given. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, don't... Don't don't let your dreams be memes, EBC. Um, that's too late. Uh, yeah, um, that's interesting because uh, I mentioned it. It's more mech like in in the, the the terms of the the enemies, but I, it never occurred to me that it was like the Metal Gear stage. But that's pretty good. I like that. Yeah, my splits call this Metal Gear. Metal so. Gear. Metal Gear Nano Machines. Yeah, you knew. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll save you this time, Snake. Two minutes later, on the guy named Helicopter dying. Good job, Raiden. You're useless. You're useless, and your standalone game sucks. All right, I'm gonna get a lot of flack for that from the community. Yeah, I like that game actually. Uh, okay, I'm gonna get a lot of flack from you then. Um, <laughs> EBC having a, a a polarizing opinion on a video game. I weird. I can't believe it. Weird. I know. Strange. Oh my god. ABC has bad opinions. Weird. Um, <laughs> so the stage one boss spider. Uh, this thing kind of just walks back and forth. Uh, it'll it'll go to the top of the screen or the ceiling and kind of dive down either straight down or at an angle. I kind of don't understand like what determines how it dives down, but once it's down, you uh, throw some fire wheels at it and hit it with your knife until it explodes. As far as I could ever determine, it was random. That what, that's what I always thought. Too. I, I would always try to kind of hang out underneath of him to try to encourage him to drop straight down, but it never really worked out uh, as desired. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's it, yeah, it seemed to be random, and uh, you know, ideally, you get him in the corner and. You know, Mike Tyson them uh, back and forth for a while, and and until he shoots back up in the air. Um, and I, I actually have a question about the bosses for you for you all, uh, all the bosses until the final one, because that's completely different. Do you know for sure how many hits each boss takes? <laughs> because I swear I, it changes. I used to know. I used to know because Proto Magical Girl used to run this game, and her and I used to talk about this game pretty religiously. And she would always say how many hits, and she would count them too while yeah. running. And I honestly like it's been five years, four years since I've ran this game, so like I straight up just don't even remember anymore. So I, I'll do the same thing. I'll I'll count the hits, and one time I'll get like thirty-two, and which I, I believe the number is thirty-two. By the way, other times I'll get the thirty, and the fight will be over. Uh, and then other times I'll go to 33 and I'm like, okay, <laughs> so a couple of things could be possible here. Could, could maybe be your double, maybe you're double hitting with fire wheel. Don't even well, know uh, it. Well, sure. That can certainly happen. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and that's something we didn't talk about, but yeah, the, the fire wheel can get double hits on bosses, which is pretty cool. You have to, I guess, shoot it in just the right way. Um, but, and that's actually very useful for the final boss actually. Um, yeah. but I, but I, I think maybe I don't. Really, it doesn't feel like there's iframes, but you're getting in there and slashing, and you're jumping up in the air, and you're you're mashing the B button as, as much as possible, trying to get as many hits in as you can. 
And I, I'm guessing some of those are, are not getting through. Like maybe one. <laughs> if I'm getting 33 over 32. But I, I think it's 32. I think 32 hits per boss until the final boss. Um, but I, I, I figured you guys had so much other information that maybe I would get closure on this. But sadly, <laughs> it was not to be. But I think it's 32. I think it's actually 32. And all the variants that I feel is me not paying close enough attention. I know there's like 68 hits on the first boss of Roland's Curse. Oh, well. <laughs> that, that, that helps. Okay. Yeah. Well, now I'll know <laughs> that whenever I play the boss fights in Ninja Gaiden <laughs> Shadow. Like, ah, but Roland's Curse, 68 <laughs> hits. So no matter what happens here, we know that. The only reason I know that is because I run the glitched category, uh-huh. and you have to die on the same frame that you kill the boss. So I always have to count how many hits I've done to the boss. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm pretty sure it's it's a. Uh, it's in hits. the 30s. Yeah. yeah. It's still see. This is the problem with not having a. D- d- is there a boss health bar in this game? I don't no, know. No, no, obvi- yeah, obviously see, not. That's always well. They, the boss health bars can lie. You, sure, you, that's true. I've no. played some choice games like that, but but like that's the okay. This is always my biggest pet peeve with any retro game, Game Boy, NES, even in newer games. Put a damn boss health bar on the screen even if it's not a bar per se some sort of positive feedback to the player where whether it's like they they start smoking or like their body changes a little bit or like you know the color were to change you know something along those lines but no the only the only uh health meter that there is is for rue and when it gets down to one left oh then you get the uh the the Zelda low beep warning, which is always appreciated in every video game, definitely doesn't raise anxiety levels whatsoever. So um, yeah, you want to avoid that always. But that's that's the only health bar in the game. Otherwise, you just gotta keep whacking on the boss until uh, they start exploding. To be worst. fair, to be fair, I do appreciate an annoying beeping sound more than any of like newer video games where your screen uh, gets screwed over. Pulse. The more damage yeah. you take, because like, what do you want if you're on low, uh, low health? You want to be able to clearly see what you're doing, so you would not take any more damage. What do new games do? Oh, let's make it even less visible what you're doing when you're hurt, so you certainly <laughs> will get hurt even more. Thank you, video game designers. Gonna, Stop doing that. I'm gonna go okay. up on a tangent on that real quick. So <laughs> this is a little bit of a spoiler, just a small one. Ghost of Tsushima, I'm trying to climb this mountain to get a shrine, right, to 100% the game. And when you climb this mountain, you have to go to, like, these campfires to warm up. Otherwise, you freeze to death. Well, when you're starting to freeze, your screen gets covered by frost. What is the one thing that you can't see when your screen is covered by frost? The goddamn campfire. <laughs> Knock it off! <laughs> God, yeah, I, I hate that in game design. I absolutely, oh, it's, it's it disgusting. Me insane, or like the pulsing. Like it's one thing to like just have the screen covered. It's when it pulses as well too. Like some horror <laughs> games, it will just pulse. You're like, oh, I can see. Oh, I can't see. Oh, I can. Oh, I can't see. It's like, can you just pick something already? Like, come on. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I'm done with that tangent. No, you're you're right though. There's 
there, there are design tropes, and then there is better ways to uh, use those tropes. You don't have to implement an annoying beep. If you wanted to do a beep, it could be, you know, a chime that says, hey, low health indicator. Uh, it doesn't literally say that in, like, words. That would be weird. It should. But that, that's, yeah, we'll, we'll put that in some game now. It, it's just so like some, some deadpan, hey, low health indicator, you know, which actually would be way less annoying than a constant yeah. high-pitched beep over okay. and over again. Or like, oh, hey, now your screen is like... Um, real, real shaky, and all the corners are uh, are, are um, opaque, and your field of view is really narrow, and also your controller's rumbling. Which, like, yeah, I don't have to that's why I play old games. I don't have to worry about any of that foolishness. Like, oh, my controller's rumbling because I've been <laughs> playing it too hard. Like, what? Get out of here! Like, I just want to play the game. I don't need like we get, uh... this extra nonsense. Oh, my, I'm breathing, so my controller's breathing. You know, it's simulated. Okay, whatever. Who cares? Um, we get a new we get a new ochre at a time, and Navi's like, "Hey, listen!" And you press the up C button, and it goes, "Your health is low." <laughs> It'd be way better than. <laughs> Like, oh god, I get it. I know I'm dying. Okay, I suck. I got well, it. Right. Thank you. Here, so there's another there's another side to this too. Where I was playing Doctor Franken, when you're low health, you blink. What does every retro game when your character is blinking in games from the 80s and early 90s? What does blinking mean? Usually, it means you're invulnerable. Exactly. But you know what that doesn't mean in Dr. Franken? <laughs> that you're invulnerable. <laughs> that means you're about to die. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I even asked Mo that. I'm like, Mo, why am I blinking? Oh, I don't know. Am I invulnerable? Oh, I don't know. Okay, well, <laughs> on this episode of This is Game Boy, no one knows anything about this game. So. In Dr. Franken uh, 2. <laughs> in Dr. Franken 2, that's actually true, because if you pick up the shield, you start blinking and you're invulnerable. So there we go. Okay, that's just bad game design. That's just real stupid, that's all. Well, I understand there's limitations that, you know, to what you can do, but, I mean, let's have the same thing mean you're about to die and you can't die. Like, what? So good. Dr. Frank is such a good game, and everyone is encouraged to play it. No, it yeah. sounds amazing. Uh, <laughs> the idea is good. Uh, stage 2 Factory. Is this the one where you have to stand on the conveyor belts and hope that you don't get shot in the face? Or it might be true. You don't have to You can set it up properly, but yeah, that's just, you're right. They're thinking of the right stage. Um, oh, well... There is one part where you definitely are most likely going to get shot. Um, yeah. yeah. Th th this stage also introduces the flying enemies, or the first of the flying enemies. Technically, there are more. Uh, but but the closest <laughs> thing to a bird that exists in this game, which is very similar to the little flying helicopter-like enemies that you have in Fall of the Foot Clan that you had mentioned earlier. Um, right. They, they behave differently. They actually kind of swoop down in like a slower version of the birds in Ninja Gaiden. Um, oh, that's right. But yep. but just because Ninja Gaiden is so well known for the birds are jerks uh, <laughs> trope. Uh, speaking of tropes in video games, um, birds are jerks throughout, but nowhere are they more jerky, I think, than in Ninja Gaiden 1 in particular mm -hmm. for NES. Um, so you have a little bit of that there, and then you have the flamethrower enemies that pop up as well uh, as you make your way onto those conveyor belts. So yeah, you get, you get a, a lot of uh, uh, new, fun enemies to deal with in that stage 
Yeah, that's right. And then we face off against Duke Nukem and Mini Duke Nukem. Oh, wait. Also, <laughs> also, you get the shielders in that stage, which are just a yeah. joy. So you'd mentioned them earlier, too. And and you can actually manipulate them. You can do a little, uh, little tiny pause right before you get to them. And I guess that's enough to make them think, hey, you're looking the other way, because that's the idea behind it. If you're, if you're just playing through, you get up to them, they hold their shield up, and you have a steering contest. And then you realize, I'm going to turn away, and as soon as you look away, they drop their shield. And then you yeah. attack them, and that's it. Uh, so you can just do a little stutter step coming up to them, which becomes trickier when you fight two and three of them at one time, uh, and, and get right past them. So that's pretty neat. Uh, and then, then you get to your, your, your boy. That you were just talking then, about. Then you get to then you get to fight Duke Nukem and Duke Nukem Duke Nukem Junior. Um, <laughs> I always like the, I always like the chat call them twins because it's Arnold and Danny DeVito. Yeah. Oh yeah, That's how it is, I, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I never never thought of that. Yeah. But uh, th- this fight is easy but annoying at the same time. Like Danny DeVito will grab a hold of your leg and slow you down. Yeah. And Arnold's trying to kick you and uppercut you. Uh, basically, like, Arnold comes from the, the right side of the screen, and you basically just sit there and just cut him until he's dead, and you just run back and forth between the platforms, not trying not to get uppercut and kicked while Danny DeVito is trying to grab a hold of you. It's a very simple fight, though. Yeah, very simple. The scary part is, you know, Danny DeVito come down, grab you, and you're trying to move away. You're in kicking range, so you're getting worked over like that, and then Arnold does the big charge. And that, yeah. and that's that. You see that freight train coming, especially if that health starts to get a little bit low. That's when you start making mistakes because this fight is really all about waiting for you to screw up. Because if you stay high, I don't know that Arnold can do anything up there. Like there, there are two of the platforms that you can climb up onto. I'm pretty sure Arnold just stays on the ground, so you won't win the fight, but you won't lose it either. So you can kind of take <laughs> yeah. a moment, collect well... yourself. You can still take damage on the platform because his, his hand in oh, the uppercut sure. okay. can go there through go. the platform. Yeah, But you can still avoid him pretty easily because I believe you can jump between those two platforms even though they're pretty spaced out. I think you can. Um, I could be completely wrong about that, actually. <laughs> you either can or can't. <laughs> those are the two options. <laughs> but yeah, but but that fight, like you mentioned, is actually really easy in concept because all you have to do, you, you once you know that he's got so many steps before he's going to charge and that you have what, what the timing is between his kicks. You can get in there and your sword can outreach his kick. If you, if you set up just so, so a little bit of foreknowledge as we see, like in in every game, basically a little bit of foreknowledge goes a long way, especially with that fight, because the the whole point is to intimidate you into making mistakes. And if you just stand tall and, and just stay a little bit outside of his zone, you'll absolutely destroy Arnold, and, and that's it. You can't do any damage to Danny DeVito. He'd just be bopping around like a flea man in Castlevania trying to jump on you and, and slow you down from moving away. And uh, as long as you don't get worked up over that and uh, and stay, you know, get, get two or three hits in uh, between the kicks, you're good to go. You might get charged once, but as long as your health isn't super low, no problem. Yeah, we don't want to do damage to Danny either because he's not always sunny in Philadelphia, and that's an amazing show. So it's pretty amazing. Uh, <laughs> so before I go on to stage three, the cutscenes at the end of the fights when Ryu literally just cuts them in half and they and then they just like disappear is amazing. Um, but then you go into stage three, which 
apparently there's just another piece of the factory. This is where you get introduced to the Bomb Boys, where there you have these moving platforms on the ceiling and floors that like kind of just shoot bombs, and they kind of just go up and down. Uh, and then they explode, and the explosion, obviously, if you touch the explosion, you take damage. And then you have, like, these fire wheels as well, too. If you can think of, like, kind of like Mario Brothers, where, like, you have the fire wheels in the dungeon stages. It's kind of yeah. like that, where the fire just kind of resonates in a circle, and you have to have to avoid it. But this stage is a lot of platforming. Um, you're, you're also introduced to the vertical scrolling platforms again similar to that of every other platforming game known known to man uh where if you don't time your jump you are not going to make it to the next platform but a new a cool caveat with this game is if you can't make it to the platform you can still grab the bottom of the platform and pull your way up most of the time so yeah um, yeah as long as it's not going up off the screen you're you're good to go to 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 adjust yourself and, and save yourself. And if you are that high on the screen, chances are you're probably going to be able to fall to the next platform over as well, or yeah. or back if you want to go backwards, uh, in most cases, I think. This stage does offer a trap, however. So once you get towards the end of this stage, you're going to be introduced to a couple of globes. One of them is a one-up, and the other one's a, a nymph or a full health at the end. Yeah. The one in the middle is a one-up, However, you can't stop to get it because you're going to get crushed by the falling ceiling. So as soon as you make the trigger point of the falling ceiling, you're basically all, your only hope is to hold right because if you stop at all, you're going to die. It's that close of a timing with, uh, with this low ending piece here. So it's a little bit of a trap. It's like, hey, you can get a one-up, but you're going to die. So. I swear that I've seen someone... I, collect that one up successfully without dying. I have, yeah, it I is have possible. seen it, but it's. it's I can't uh, do it. <laughs> I can't. I can't do it either. Um, and and just a note on the health. Actually, it's not a full health refill. So you have six bars of health. You have six little squares of health for your health <laughs> bar, is is Rue, and um, it fills five of them. So it's um. No, wait, it fills four of them. That, Sorry, it fills four, four of them. Yeah, Obviously, five would no. basically be the same amount um, <laughs> as, as, as uh, a full health. No, it fills four. So if you if you have one left, it'll give you four, and you'll still be down one health, which is a very on-brand thing for Ninja Gaiden to not give you too much of an advantage, but it's also kind of annoying <laughs> because there are also small health uh, refills that I give, I think give you two health each. Yeah. Um, yeah, so correct. that's it's just like weird that like they didn't want to commit all the way. We're not going to give you full health. We're going to give you close to what, full health. What is on brand with this game in a way is that right before a boss fight, the game does give you health. Whether or not you need it, it does give you health. Yeah, it, it is usually pretty good about that. Uh, and yeah, I, I'm trying to think back through. Yeah, you usually don't get that in. you. you there are usually health pickups in different acts of the Ninja Gaiden NES games, but not necessarily right in front of the boss. Uh, Ninja Gaiden 2 famously has one right before the the final boss rush, but I don't think that's the case in Ninja Gaiden 1. Well, it's pretty close in Ninja Gaiden 1. It's a little bit earlier on the screen, um, so I guess you could argue that. Although, God, God bless you if you're trying to get through that enemy rush after you get the health, because it can get pretty brutal. Uh, and I have no idea about Ninja Gaiden 3. Um, so yeah, it's it, it, it right before the boss. Before no more enemies, just here pick up the health and now go do the boss fight. It, it, so that's pretty nice. Yeah, 
And then once you get past the falling ceiling, you get to face off against M. Bison. So Yeah, um. <laughs> which is a callback to the Shatterhand first boss, um, if you've ever played that game. Straight up the same exact boss, with the gun looking like M. Bison. Uh, the only difference is that in Shatterhand... Uh, that the boss will jump up onto the walls and you know, attack you from there, try to avoid being attacked by you. Um, so, obviously, it's a somewhat more straightforward in this game. Uh, he just walks back and forth and sometimes shoots. Yeah, like, if you're up on the ceiling, he looks around, and then will aim his gun to the ceiling, shoot at you, then you just drop down, attack, rinse and repeat, basically. It's a all these fights are simple up until the final boss basically but well, I, um, I think this one is the the hardest boss of the game in really? my opinion yeah i understand I why think, you might say that mel yeah it's 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 just a weird pattern that he has that, that you sometimes just can't react in time um but yeah if, if you know the speed run a little bit this is a pretty easy fight as well but uh otherwise from a casual point of view the first time playing this this might give you some trouble, actually, this boss. Yeah. I found Floating Elvis to be the hardest, but yeah, I can see that. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I can understand that, too. And, and any of those three. The problem with the Bison boss is that he'll start going in one direction, and you'll start attacking him, maybe, you know, if, if you're so inclined. And you, you might be behind him. And then on a dime, he'll stop and turn around, so he's effectively on top of you. And then you're like, oh, I need to make a move. And he'll change direction too. So he kind of stays yeah. on top of you. And he doesn't take contact damage. No, no, no. Only you take contact damage. So that can really jam you up. And then if you do get some of that space, if he starts to shoot straight away, then you're just not making any headway because that gunfire will keep you. It'll either keep you back far enough where you're not doing damage or it'll damage you while you're trying to get in to do damage. So either way, it can get to be tough stuff. I would like to know what kind of gun he has, because he never has to reload. He has a video <laughs> game gun, EBC. That's what type of gun he has. <laughs> uh, we're, are we seriously going to like go over every gun in video games for the accuracy of its uh, ammunition? Because I, Look, I don't think that's going to work out so great. Look, I had to reload. What game was I playing? Oh, Hades. I was playing Hades. I have to reload a gun in hell. I mean, come on. <laughs> Listen, Satan believes in gun control, all right? So responsible <laughs> magazine sizes only, okay? <laughs> I have to reload a Metal Gear. like. Well, yeah, but, I, okay, yeah, but Kojima is a super a crazy gun nut and that, that is, like, obsessive with accuracy in that stuff the further it went in the series. So, um, right, so yeah, you fine. have to reload in Metal Gear. But even even if you're talking about Metal Gear Solid, or uh, I mean, I, I don't know, do you have to get ammo again in Metal Gear and, and Metal Gear 2, like the MSX games or even the NES games? I'm, I don't even know. But for Metal Gear Solid, even that, I mean, yeah, you could you had to reload, but it was pretty simple, you know, compared to how it ended up getting. Uh, the, the worst. Anyway, I like Metal Gear 2, guys, so I, you know, we can go down that road, but... I think that may be a bit much. But, <laughs> yeah, do we, a, a Metal Gear podcast Metal Gear. would take like five oh my god, years. it was five years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In this, um, this podcast, we explain what's going on in Metal Gear Solid Two, and it's just a bunch of white noise for two hours. <laughs> because who, who knows? I don't know. Yeah, the Patriots. That's all I got, and I need Scissor Sixty One. Yep. 
Live and die laughing. All right. Um. <laughs> so we have our next. What's, what stage we're on? Four. Yeah. Yeah. Four. Yeah. We're on the docks, the heart, the harbor. So right away, like before we get into the nitty gritty of the stage, I wanted to shout out the background of this stage because it has like a. It's like you're underwater. <laughs> Like you're in a like in a building underwater because the background is moving in a wave fashion and like there's like an aquatic theme to the <clears> windows <throat> in the background. Yeah. I always thought that was super super cool, um, especially in a Game Boy. It's yeah, got to be so. really impressive for a 1991 Game Boy game, especially right. Uh, yeah, yeah, probably. But I don't know how they do it. But there are a lot of Game Boy games that do the underwater effect with the wavy lines, like perfectly. I don't know if the Game Boy was especially designed to do that effect or something. But uh, every time I see it in other games, like Hammering Harry has it, uh, for example. Like yeah. they just do such a good job with that underwater effect. It's amazing. Maybe it's because it's such a small screen; they don't have to worry about real estate. I, yeah, I don't know, but I've always been amazed at the background. Like, all jokes aside, like Ninja Guy and Shadow to me is kind of it's it's a game, but like a lot of just the like features of functionality and just the development of the game for it being an early Game Boy game is outstanding, and that that's what always has pulled me into this game. So, um. But yeah, the first thing right away, the first enemies you encounter are these stupid flies with propellers that you just can't hit at all. Um, they're obnoxious. Their their pattern, their their pattern is to like seek you, but not like directly seek you. So like sometimes they'll be just in a part where like they're out of the way where you can't hit them, and sometimes they'll just be like close to you where as soon as you like turn around to hit them, you just you hit you know you hit them and take damage. They're obnoxious. Then you have the shuriken guys that throw, was it, to, uh, throws a shuriken, then like somehow defies gravity, flips upside down, stands on the ceiling, and throws a fan of shurikens at you. Uh, well, uh, they're ninjas, so yeah, they can uh, defy gravity. Okay, that, okay. that stands up to scrutiny. Okay, why can't Ryu stand upside <laughs> down on the ceiling? Again, he is a neophyte ninja. All he's got is is the mask and and uh, a love of fire at this point and a grappling hook, I guess. So, yeah. Why can't know, he do it in the other ninja guidance? <laughs> well, at that point, you know, he developed spin slash technology and and like ninja clone <laughs> technology. So he's like later for all that gravity nonsense, who cares? The the cloning power of his super cool. I do like the it's, the ninja the, clone. the ninja friends are awesome. Yeah. Um, so yeah, once you get past this stage, you get into like, I call it the sewers, because as you enter the stage, the ceiling starts dripping, we can assume water since it is like the docks, but I call it, call it sewage because it hurts you. <laughs> Maybe Ryu's allergic to water, I don't know, um... But uh, you kind of go through, you have to dodge the little drippy boys, and then uh, you have some shield boys you got to avoid as well, too, or kill, rather. You can't really avoid enemies in this game. Um, then you have some more shuriken-defying gravity ninjas. I think you can avoid the, the shield guys, at least most of them, in that stage, because you have a series of uh, platforms that you can jump up underneath of and get on top of, so you could effectively go over top of... Most of the shield guys, not all of them, but but a fair portion of them. 
in a in a piece of the stage, yeah, where it turns completely dark, which yeah. is fantastic to begin with. Well, that's where the shield um, guys start showing up in that in this stage. Well, there's one right away in yeah. the in the second screen, and then yeah, right. then you have all the shield guys, which is fine, but you ha- it's completely dark, and the only time you can see platforms is when the lightning strikes because video game logic. Mm-hmm. Then you have like these laser guns that are coming from the top and bottom, and you have to either be on the top or bottom of the platform to not get hit by them, all while trying to avoid the shield guys or kill the shield guys. So you have to somehow turn around underneath the platform, wait for them to lower their shield, kill the shield guy, wait for the laser, move forward. <laughs> yeah, the, the lasers are junk. Uh, if, if you know, because you can stand on top of the platform or underneath the platform, like you mentioned, to avoid, you know, from whatever the opposite side the laser's coming from. Except if you're near the edge of the platform, that laser will still come through for a few pixels to, to, on, the, on either side. So, it, you know, you're traveling from left to right. You're like, okay, I know there's a couple more pixels of this platform. It's cool. The laser's coming from up top. I'm just going to sit here and wait. Well, if you're close to the edge, guess what? You're still getting zapped. So you got to reel it back in a little bit because, you know, and you have the darkness that you're dealing with in most cases. So, yeah, you got to be careful there if you want to avoid taking damage. And then, uh, yeah, and then once you get through that, you you get the gotcha moment. We're like, I'm going to run across this bridge. Oh, no, the other side closed. I'm falling. Which, okay, which is all fine and dandy, but when you get to the bottom, they give you three jars to go pick up. Two of them are two health uh, potions, and the other one is Nimpo. Why not just put two jars there, one with Nimpo, one with a big health potion, because it's still just four hit points that you're restoring. (laughs) It it does boggle the mind, (laughs) the choice there. I don't know. Why? It makes no sense game design and then uh once you go through there you get to traverse i i call it the under the underground section because it's just rocks but this this is a section where you get uh i believe chased by i call it lava yeah this is the this is the part where you get chased by water and you have to go through a vertical climbing segment it all through the while like some of these platforms have like these like tasers on them that that move horizontally across them and mm-hmm. if you touch one of those tasers you get frozen in place all the while you have these Mega Man 1 uh, mover things going horizontally across the platform as well too that shoot fire vertically if you kill them um, the lava does move slow enough but if you really don't know what you're doing or really don't know like the obstacles ahead like it can pose a little bit of a problem coming because you're like oh there comes the lava oh i just died because i got shocked on a taser and i couldn't move for five seconds yeah i mean the 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 surest way to lose time is to go traversing left to right which you may be inclined to do because straight away at the start there there's ninpo uh right before you start your climb Uh, up closer to the top there's both uh full health refill and a one up so if you're kind of dawdling around and you want to go get that stuff, you know, you might find yourself right up against it. But also, you mentioned the uh, the little shocker guys, uh, those, those little electrical currents, I guess, that run back and forth. The cool thing about them, I mean, yeah, they'll slow you down too and they can get you jammed up if you're not sure how to traverse the, the area. But they don't do any damage. 
Which, again, no. being off-brand for Ninja Gaiden, like, something that doesn't do damage, it just slows you down, like, amazing. That, that is very kind of them to put that in place. Yeah. I mean, it's, like, for the, like, in terms of, like, damage taken while climbing this, the damage taken is actually pretty low. You're, you're probably going to take one guaranteed hit by the stupid laser in the mm, little tiny hallway. Yeah. It is very common. Because terrible placement. But, I mean, for the most part, like, you're not going to take... You, you, unless you're going in there with one or two hit points, you're probably not going to die in the vertical thing by pure damage itself. You're more likely to die by the water, lava, toxic sludge, whatever it is that's rising up. Um, and then, once you get past that, you get to fight against floating Elvis, uh, which... The reason that it's the dock stage or the harbor stage is because the background has a picture of a ship, cargo ship with some boxes. Um, that's probably why we can assume it's a harbor. But then you have Floating Elvis who floats down from the top of the screen in some MC Hammer pants, um, some shoulder pads, and kind of just like floats around the top like Krakow does in Kirby Streamland 1. Comes down with a fan and like throws it at you like a boomerang. And it goes from top to bottom, so you just duck, keep swinging, jump, keep swinging, and dodge them. And then after a while, he'll start throwing shurikens straight down in a fanny motion where you can just kind of stand between them. Uh, this was actually, in my opinion, one of the, this was the first fight I had the most issue with. Because I would get him close to the edge, and I would lose track of the fan and just get owned. Yeah, I understand that, because the fan, you're... That's when he throws it. That gives you your best opportunity to do a lot of damage in one shot. So if you're so either he throws the fan and you're trying to jump over it, and if you're a little bit further away, that fan's gonna arc right back. It's gonna boomerang right back as soon as you're making your jump over the fan. And if you're close, it's real easy to get caught up in attacking. And then okay, I need to jump now. And you like the cadence is just a little bit off, and then you end up getting bopped by the fan. But I mean, yeah. th this fight, this fight is the bane of the speed run right here. This is the the RNG reset point of the, yeah. the run because th this jerk, this guy, he he can either swoop right away or he can uh, swoop somewhere between immediately and uh, infinite amount of time later. And obviously, you want you can attack him when he's up high if you want to burn all your ninpo. But a, that's not very efficient because you're only going to do at most two damage per attack, and then you're going to burn your ninpo for the rest of the game. And you know we have strategies for using that throughout the rest of the game as well. But uh, but you, I mean, you really want him to come down low so you can get the you know six to eight hits on uh, before he starts going back up when he shoots his fan. You want, you want that attack time. So he'll meander around, flying gingerly up in the air, and you just say, get down here and die! And then maybe he'll swoop down, and then he'll go back up, and he'll just be bopping back and forth, swooping, not swooping, but like just meandering back and forth up in the sky. And then you're like, okay, he's good. All right, stop, he's going to swoop down. No, 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 not swooping this time, throwing those shurikens. Throwing four or five shurikens, however many it is. So now you got to dodge that, which is not difficult, but that's still time taken away. And then by that point, your your splits are in the red, your run's over, and you're just cursing up a storm because you've made it to the penultimate stage with nothing to show for it because this jerk decided, oh, it's all about me. Go hammer, go hammer, go hammer. Like, come on, dude. I'm trying to do a speed run here. Like, what are we doing? Well, the, the other crazy thing, too, is that the fan, like like we said, boomerangs, but, like, 
it uh, it's not like the typical like boss boomerang that goes across the entire screen. No, no, this thing goes like two feet and then it comes back. And it's like, oh, all right, <laughs> so that's cool and all. Yeah, so it can. I mean, it can, I think that makes it more difficult too. It jams you up because yeah, you got to yeah. get in there, get your hits in, and then you got to be jumping sooner than you would expect. And and you know if, if you're uh, you know a little late to get in there or a, a little late to jump out, you're getting dinged up. Yeah. Uh, that, that that was, I, I want to say the the it it killed the game for me, but that was for for me one of the harder bosses to get past, just because the cadence can get really weird. Um, so now we move on to the final stage. This final stage is probably my favorite stage, not because of the music, but just purely because of level design. Like this stage made it feel like a Ninja Gaiden game. Because there is a lot happening, and there is a lot of damage to be had in this stage. Um, you are... Gre- so, like, you're running around on a platform already, and you're greeted with this Metal Gear that shoots... That is a flamethrower. Um, that doesn't really give you many much of an opening to go into attack. And then you have these grenade throwers on the, perched on these little platforms that are throwing grenades at you. And then you have, like, these UFO things that are shooting bullets in between the pits. Uh, sometimes all three are kind of stacked together. Uh, so now, like, we went from a fairly slow-paced ninja game to friggin' Ninja Gaiden now. Like, like these screens are littered with enemies now and the music is banging. Like everything is, it feels like a Ninja Gaiden game. The music's fast. The attacking is fast. Everything is super quick. Now, all of a sudden, like the, the, the tempo has picked up. Yeah. The tempo and the intensity, because I mean, I never really thought of it in those terms, but now that you mention it, yeah, it, this is definitely the most akin to a traditional Ninja Gaiden stage because you know, straight away, You've got these enemies that that are shooting fire out, dropping from the sky, shooting bullets down in different directions, and and, and it and that's just the first screen of the stage. Yeah, uh, and yeah. Then you have to do your traversal down through the stage. You got those shielders again, flames getting shot out from uh, lasers. Yeah, laser lasers. Guns, I yeah. mean, like it is it is all go all the time until you get to that auto scroller at the end. So I mean, they really say, okay. You're on the final stage of a Ninja Gaiden game. Now X is going to give it to you. So here we go. <laughs> well, and even like the auto scroller at the end of the stage that you just mentioned is just an elevator. You stand on a platform that you can drop down and hang from or stand on top of. And your oh, your 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 only enemies are these laser guns that that shoot from from the sides. But like you're moving vertically and the laser guns are shooting horizontally. So if you've never done the elevator before, you're going to take a lot of hits because there are times where like you're like, oh, I should duck here because the laser's going to go on top of the platform. Well, the platform is moving slightly faster than it kind of appears, so you're going to take a hit or you're going to jump up too early and get hit by the tail end of the laser. Like You are guaranteed, if you've never been through this elevator or if you're playing it casually, you're guaranteed to take damage in this elevator auto scroller segment. Luckily, like there is health and ninpo along the sides that you have to jump off your platform and get, and then jump back onto your platform. But like the the lasers can be deceiving while like trying to figure out if you need to hang or stay on top of the platform. Um, so even then, like you're still not safe in the auto scroller. 
Yeah, you can destroy these lasers um, if you can reach them over or if you use an impo, but you do want to conserve your impo for the last boss Absolutely. anyways. Absolutely. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, but yeah, yeah if, if you have lasers. some Yeah, if you have some troubles with the lasers, you could potentially uh, destroy them, but I think only when they're open, so you do yeah. still risk getting damaged anyways. And you can't damage them on the auto scroller because there's no platform to get to them. So you'd have to nimpo them. Ugh. Don't do it. Um, yeah, don't do not do it. And then you get to the phase one of the final <laughs> boss, which is uh, Rita from from Power Rangers. Um, <laughs> where uh, they start at the top, and then they're padded. Like, I don't fully understand this boss either. They move around, and they have like a... Like a if you've ever like played a trick on your friends with the with Windows, and you have like the mouse tail, like you have like these fourteen thousand little mouse tails while you're moving your mouse, think of it like that with uh, Rita floating around the screen. Every once in a while, it'll come down to the ground, and you you'll get a chance to strike her, or him, or whomever it is. But uh, they're shooting lightning as well too, and I believe the lightning is. It goes to Ryu's last known position, or is it random? It no, it, it tracks to Ryu, so you have okay. like so you can kind of get outside of its zone, uh, and that's really what you want to do. But there are times where the the screen position or the the enemy will be positioned on the screen in such a way where you have to make a decision what you want to go left or right, and what how do you want to time it, and that's where you can get jammed up a little bit, uh, and that can be real annoying. Um, but yeah, you got you like you said, you got to wait for it to swoop down after. I believe it's five lightning strikes, either four or five uh, per cycle, uh, and then the boss will swoop down, and you have to get thirty hits. It's it is thirty on this phase to get it to switch over to the next phase. So that's at least two cycles. You're just not getting more than than like maybe eighteen hits per cycle uh, with, between your sword and your ninpos. So um, yeah, you got to be real real quick with your attacking to uh to speed that part up yeah and this and this person doesn't stay down for long like as soon as it's big toenail touches the ground it's going back up again pretty much uh, it's not it's not like floating elvis where he comes to the ground and sits there for a couple seconds and goes back up like this it's like half second and then they're going back up again so um once you've defeated rita um, Rita then turns into the Green Power Ranger. Um, <laughs> See, I always thought to, to uh, belabor the the uh, metaphor of Power Rangers. I always thought it was like when they would send, um, like, what, what was the gold guy's name in Power Rangers? Like the main like henchman. Oh yeah, Goldar yeah, yeah. or something uh, like that. Goldar, yeah. So, okay, yeah. so like she'd send him down at first, and he'd like go with the putties and like. <clears throat> bang it up and he'd get worked over and then she would like make him real big and then they'd have to get in the megazord to fight him you know so i always look at it like that like this is like megazord time now <laughs> so it's like this, yeah make my monsters grow and then she you know then it would be the big version Throw, of that and then, throws her staff yeah in the, the desert and it magically grows it somewhere across the world yeah yeah so so that that's how i always looked at it but I, yeah i mean green power ranger kind of fits in with that too although i mean like tommy was never that big fun fact i actually saw that dude jason david frank in a prof or actually it was technically amateur mixed martial arts fight that i i covered that was oh, really that was yeah that was real weird I, I knew he was into mixed martial arts but uh like 
I grew up watching Power Rangers, man. <laughs> like, so to see, <laughs> see this dude, like, um, I believe he won with a, a triangle choke. Uh, so it's like, this is a weird, and he didn't even come out to the Power Rangers theme. Like, what a missed opportunity. Like, I get it. You want to <laughs> divest yourself from, like, the childhood nonsense, but yeah, come on, absolutely. man. Like, you're the Green Ranger. Sorry. No, he doesn't. He still joins Power Rangers shows. Like, he'll still, yeah. make, he still makes cameos. Well, then I don't know what his problem was. I don't know. I don't know, man. He came out to, like, some generic lame song. Like, I couldn't even tell you what it was. <laughs> He didn't play his his dragon flute. Is what you're saying? No, no. Like, like. Okay. First of all, the Power Rangers song is a banger. Like that is a, a great all time '90s TV will, show theme. All right. I will agree with that. So like, I don't know. Like that's a hype song anyway. So he comes out to like generic, like lame metal. Like, okay, cool, whatever. I mean, it's, he won, so I guess it's fine. Anyway, sorry. Like, how often do you get to talk about that fight you saw with the Green Power Ranger in real life? You know, a real life fight. Yeah. By the way, yeah, not and, just some fake not not some video game fight at the end of Ninja Gaiden Shadow. Uh, to bring this all back to the actual thing. <laughs> and I, this, good. No, I wasn't going to say anything. Oh, the, yeah. For for me, actually, the final the final form actually looks like one of the villains from, and nobody's gonna know this because this show is like from the seventies. Uh, but it actually looks like one of the villains from Techman Blade, or as it was called in America, Techno Man, uh, which is an anime from the seventies, and it, the the suit looks exactly like one of the suits from that uh, from that anime. I've heard um, of it, but never watched it. Yeah, yeah, it's old. It it, it doesn't uh, hold up well. Besides the actual quote bad. unquote fighting scenes, but the rest of it is is too old. Uh, but yeah, this is kind of unlike for a um, a Ninja Gaiden game because usually you expect the final boss to turn into some kind of demon monster, uh, but here it's it's like a tech True. suit or something like that, and it's not even uh, a reference to even though this is the final boss from Shadow of the Ninja. Um, it's not even a reference through that because the final boss of Shadow of the Ninja doesn't transform at all. So, yeah. So this, I would argue that this is the hardest boss sequence, just because it has two phases. You don't get any health, health power ups, n- nothing. Like you go in there with six hit points or whatever hit points that you have, whatever nimpo you have, and you have to endure basically two boss fights. Um, and the fights are fundamentally easy. Like, if you look at them, you're like, oh, that's pretty easy. But the Green Power Ranger or Goldar or whomever you want to call this thing does like this does this thing where it will shoot out three rockets in front of him. And your sword is just long enough to hit him while the three rockets are out. But the three rockets go in a pattern to dodge. And sometimes the... The dodging's a little iffy just because Game Boy hitboxes, and uh, it, it can it can pose a little bit of a, a challenge, like a, an unseen challenge, just because of just how close you have to be to hit this thing. And you know, especially if you're playing through casually, um, you're faced with here's the boss, and then in front of the boss are the three rockets that you mentioned, and then here's you. So. Yeah, you, like, okay, let me see how this is going to shake out. And so you might recognize that the timing is in such a way where you can avoid them. Because it goes, the middle one shoots out first, then the bottom one, and then the top yep. one. The top one is basically inconsequential. You're really worried about the middle and the bottom ones. So yeah. you can get in there, duck down, get your hits in, 
and then jump before the bottom one starts to fire. But you have to remember at the same time, that's right about when he's going to jump to his next spot on the screen. So you're probably, I mean, you're, you're, you're avoiding both the boss and the rockets, at least one of them, if not two. And because they are staggered, you can end up getting doubled up on those rockets. So you, you got to be judicious with your, uh, your attack selection there. And, and it obviously becomes easier when you become familiar with the pattern. But when you, I, I remember sitting down in the GDQ practice room, playing through that game blind for the first time. And well, obviously, and I, I, I was like, I was baffled by this boss. It's like, ah, this is impossible. Going back from yeah. that auto scroller time after time to get back to him. Like, ah, Fucking, this jerk. Like, if you look at the fight, like, if you watch someone do the fight and you're just like, oh, it's not that hard. You just literally just duck and jump and just walk to the other side. But, like, when you're actually, like, doing it, you don't realize that, like, how close you are to everything at all. So. But uh, yeah, once you, once you beat the game, you get to see a picture of what's his face with a cut through his chest, typical anime fashion. And this is the best part that gets me because we what what did Asia call this game? Ninja skyscraper. Yeah, was that what it was? Like yeah, F- so final the, skyscraper. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> so at at the end of the game, when you're walk in Ryu fashion, you're walking away from the from the scene of the crime. It looks like Castlevania's castle in the background on some tree roots. Hmm. It's, it's not a cityscape at all. It's a castle or some <laughs> sort of medieval fortress. Maybe maybe Castlevania translated incorrectly to uh, skyscraper. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. I don't know, man. But... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know either, but... Yeah, uh, everybody knows those castles in New York, right? I mean, there's so many of them. And also, in the credits, it says sound, and the name is Don, (laughs) D-O-N. Okay. I just watched the credit roll now, so... (laughs) Good old Don. So there you go. Thanks, Don, appreciate it. And then you're Don with the game. So that's and you are good. done with the game. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, you get a pre, it's a pretty awesome outro, you know, with him. It's a very away. good and, outro and, and the good music again. I mean, you're, it's just chock full of good music. Yeah, it's a it's a very very good outro. I would, I I, I typically game outros to me are kind of whatever because it's typically just a credit roll and it says thank you or thanks for playing or the end or congratulations or whatever the Ghostbusters ending screen was. And then you have to reset your Game Boy. But this game actually, like, the outro is, I would say, one of the best outros I've seen in a Game Boy game. You know, along with, like, Avenging Spirits as well, too. Because, like, the two endings Avenging Spirit has. Because it's animated and it finishes the story. A wind right? blows. Right. A wind blows. Like, the Mega Mans are very well known for this, too, to have amazing outros. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you don't usually see that. Like, it's usually just the credits roll at the end of uh, Game Boy games. But there are some like this one that actually have like a, a little cutscene in them. Uh, yeah. To just round it up, it's kind of like Castlevania Belmont's Revenge, I guess, where Soleil and and his dad are pissing off of the cliff on uh, Dracula's grave. <laughs> so, I mean, Christopher. Okay. Let's, Christopher. Let's respect, there we let's go. respect the lore. Okay? I for, I forgot the name because we all know Soleil is. 
the best Belmont there ever no. was. So that, that's no. why I forgot, really. No. <laughs> I mean, when one's named Christopher and the other one's named Soliu, yeah, like one's a little <laughs> okay. bit more memorable than the Let's, other. If we're going to go on this tangent here, Soliu <laughs> get possessed by, the, by Dracula, okay? Chris doesn't. Chris doesn't. Chris has to beat... It's sorry, legs. Chris has to beat that <laughs> in order to get Soliu back to normal again, all right? This looks like Chris's blood. Oh, that's a different game series. I'm sorry. I was thinking Dracula and Chris, and I, my mind went elsewhere. Chris Belmont. It's not I a- mean, we could all we can all agree that Sonya Belmont is the best vampire hunter. So, <laughs> oh, I bring it, Castlevania people. I just, just want to know why it. Juiced Belmont is an Alucard cosplayer. Like, I've never understood that. Like, if you look at him and Maxim, like Maxim looks like he should be. The Belmont in that game, and uh, Juice looks like, "Hey, I'm Alucard, hanging out, gonna have a real floaty jump." Like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I lo- I like that game a lot though, uh, but I, I just like the character design's weird for me. I just loved how I said Sonya Belmont's the best Belmont because no one likes Castlevania I, Legends. I've never played Legends, so I can't refute that. I, I, yeah. I mean, it's possible that it's better than Castlevania Adventure 1. Well, okay, yes. That, that is yes. no dispute. Period. I, I know that Legends is non-canonical. I know that. It is. True. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, box art. We'll do box art quick, and then we'll take a break because I need coffee. Um, Japanese box art is the best box art. No surprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's also the only one where they actually put effort into uh, a new box art. Unlike where uh, the European and the American box art are literally just the box art for the NES version of Ninja Gaiden, but cropped. True. Like that. Here's that's, that's basically all there is. To here's it. a weird thing, though. So I just mentioned that there is a castle or some sort of medieval fortress in the background when, I, when you walk away in the staff roll. Yeah. In the box art for all three of these regions. It shows a city skyline in the background. Yeah, it's just New York. I'm, I'm pretty sure it says at the title. But in the game, there yeah, is no city skyline, except at the very beginning. At the yeah, very the beginning, stage. there's yeah. a skyline. But you're walking away from Castlevania's castle at the end of the game. <laughs> yeah, makes no sense, but whatever. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, I'm pretty sure like they showed a Statue of Liberty in the intro of this. I game, think I think so, so too. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's like, like I said, all all those castles in, in New York, it's amazing. It's just like Banishing Racer, where the Statue of Liberty turns into an angel and flies away. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so back to the box art. So the Japanese box art is is, is designed very anime like. Uh, in the foreground, you have assumingly Ryu without a mask on. Uh, yeah. Screaming with a with a sword. Uh, I don't I don't know if he's falling off of a roof or what's going on there. And then in the background has a skitty a, a skitty a city skyline of uh, yeah probably New York. And then um, as we scroll down here, we got Ninja Gaiden Shadow, which is the American version. Yeah, it's literally the Ninja Gaiden box art from NES. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the same sh- with Shadow Warriors. It's okay, just yeah, the, I've never just seen the, the NES one. Uh, box art. Yeah, they didn't put much inf- effort into that, sadly. Uh, yeah, well, whatever. It 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 shows recognition for the for the brand, I guess. So I suppose. 
Um, media and reception of this game. Yeah, I have a few. It wasn't like... <sighs> it's it's kind of weird. Like, a lot of review magazines or, well, I guess websites weren't really a thing back there. I mean, 92, there, there might have been, but it's it's probably mm. magazines. They, they just gave it like a six and a half out of ten most of the time, something like that. Um, That's about what I'd are, give it. Yeah, there aren't that many that, that give more. Like, there's a few newer ones that give it like an 80 or a 90 out of 100. Oh, it's way um, too high. <laughs> which is probably too high indeed. But I feel like 60 is a little bit low as well, because this is a really good game. Um, the only thing it doesn't have going for it, compared to some other games that came out in 91, like maybe the length. Like, this, this is a really short game, all in all, so... Uh, but besides that, it's uh, a really fun game that I love to revisit once. Uh, uh, not once. <laughs> Every now and then, that was the word I was going for. Uh, so yeah, I play this a lot, actually, through the year. Just because I can, and it's and it's a pretty short game. I, I've definitely beaten this game more than once, just because it's like, hey, I can be in a Ninja Gaiden game at one city and want to see, and I can just do it because I can't beat the NES versions. Yeah. I think there's something to that, to be honest. I think that was at least part of the original appeal for me as well. That I mean, A, finding out that there was a Ninja Gaiden game on Game Boy. Um, because, you know, for me, Game Boy is uh, the gift that keeps on giving in that regard. There's so many games that I just did not know about <laughs> when I was a kid. I mean, I had a Game Boy, and I certainly had, you know, my share of games. But I didn't know there was Ninja Gaiden Shadow. I didn't know, you know, so many of them. Um, I didn't even have Super Mario Land. I love that game, but I just never owned it. So, um, so yeah, I mean, like, through you guys specifically, I found out about this whole new world of uh, Game Boy games that beyond the, the few that I had experience with as a kid. And, you know, being like you say, I mean, that's, that's so true, EBC. Like, hey, I, I can beat a Ninja Gaiden game. And then for me, it was like, well, if I can beat this Ninja Gaiden game, maybe I could actually beat the other ones the nes ones and then you know yeah and and sure enough <laughs> it was indeed uh, yeah. too, so i'll <laughs> i'll never forget the time i was watching you play alien wars on super nintendo and i was like hey you should play the game boy version yep. and your face <laughs> lit up you're like there's a game boy version yeah like, oh yeah that's that's it's so many games you know for, for me the trip world was another one i know it's only a tech yeah. demo but i mean like like, you find out about that game, it's like, wait, wait, wait. Not only is there a Sunsoft game on Game Boy, but it's, like, got a classic banging Sunsoft soundtrack that is right mm -hmm. up there with any great Sunsoft soundtrack, which is, you know, for me, among the highest praise you can give any soundtrack in a video game. Um, and hella adorable. Oh, yeah, super adorable, you know? And, and it, it, uh, it has that Kirby vibe to it, which, uh, that's high praise, too. Yeah. Um. I don't say that lightly to you, EBC, because I mean, you know, Kirby is serious business around here. I'm sure. Uh, but, yeah. I mean, I mean, Trip World. Yeah, Trip World is is like, man, what are you like? Where was where did that come from? I know that game is like super rare and costs a billion and a half dollars. But um, but I mean, yeah, you know, it, it, that one I can be forgiven for not knowing about. But Ninja Gaiden Shadow feels like I probably should have heard about that at some point. Um, uh, yeah, and so it's it's real cool that you know you can stumble across the, these new things and. And with Ninja Gaiden, it can open up these new horizons to this this wonderful, this sprawling and wonderful uh, series of games that, that goes across so many different platforms. 
you know, not just the NES versions, but you know, you got that Master System version that's a totally different type of game too, but uh, is pretty cool. It, it's it's kind of all right. Um, and then you can make fun of the Ninja Gaiden trilogy games because I don't know what they were thinking. You got the, the uh, you got the PC <laughs> Engine that Ninja Ryuken did for PC Engine, which yeah. if you like the worst parallax in quotes scrolling oh yeah oh man i mean not only did they change the music it's not terrible but like i don't again don't know why you changed ninja gaiden music um it's it's a pretty similar feeling game but spin slash is an op you and the the scrolling is like i don't think there's anyone it doesn't look good it's it's disgusting um yeah, so it's just, but I mean it's cool that you you know you, where you can dip your toe into a series and have it become you know swimming in this sea of of wonderful different games that you may not have you either experienced only sparingly or really didn't experience too much and then you broaden your horizons and that's I mean anytime you can do that in gaming especially when you're talking about thirty year old games like that's that's awesome that's just wonderful yeah and the franchise is still quote-unquote going strong like it's been a few years since a new one came out but ninja gaiden has a lot of newer games as well um like even the ds games from ninja gaiden where you have to use the pen as a as a sword are pretty darn cool uh if you ask me like i really loved that game i don't remember the name of it but it it was pretty cool ninja gaiden uh, dragon sword yeah yeah probably get it Uh, because because everything had to be ds so. Yeah, everything had to <laughs> have use with the with the stylus. Yeah. But yeah, I like that game a lot. And uh, Ninja Gaiden Black, I think, is also a very well received one. Yeah, it's a good um, game. And then you have the the Sigma series, which I also kind of liked playing through. Uh, so yeah, it's it's still a very good franchise the, even to this day. The newest Ninja Gaiden came out in 2014, called Yaiba Ninja Gaiden Z. Right. Okay. There you go. That's the, the for last one, the but... PS3, Xbox 360. Yeah. You know what was fascinating for me? I didn't know anything about the like the creators of Ninja Gaiden. I just knew it was Tecmo. So when, and I should have known his name before I started this conversation, but the the fella what made the Xbox Ninja Gaiden games, the 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 real the, the the guy who had a very distinct sense of style. He always wore his sunglasses and his leather jacket. Always had a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, like you talking about no, like a he, real life person? Yeah, yeah. The actual like main producer, I guess you'd call him, or main director of of the modern Ninja Gaiden games. Um. Um. Itagaki? Yeah, Itagaki. Right, thank you. Okay. Right, right. So, I just always assumed, like, oh, he's been on Ninja Gaiden since, you know, since forever. Not true! He did not work on the NES Ninja Gaiden games. I believe he didn't even work for Tecmo in those days. Like, that blew my mind. I was like, wait a minute. So, like, <laughs> this Johnny-come-lately guy, like, God bless him, he's got this obvious passion but he was a DOA guy. He he got on, in on that series, yeah, and obviously put a stamp on on Tecmo and on gaming in general. Because I mean, that game you you see that for the first time, like oh my god, how did you make something look so good? And I mean, this was in the wake of Tekken and everything, and he hates Tekken, which is hilarious to me because I love Tekken. Um, but I mean, he, that's how he got into Tecmo, as I recall was through the DOA game. So then he took over Ninja Gaiden. And I just assumed, like, oh, yeah, he's a long-standing you know, employee who has that t- those ties back to Ninja Gaiden. But no, no, no. 
And it made it suddenly made so much more sense. Like, oh, okay, that's why it's a totally different game. And the main takeaway that he had was, I don't know, make it crazy stupid hard. <laughs> like, because you don't really have a lot of the similar style, but you have, you know, the ninja with the same name. And then the game punches your teeth down your throat. <laughs> and you have to try to find a mouth guard somewhere along the way. That's basically it. Um, so, that, that, I don't know. That was that was just surprising to me. So, I don't know if, if others... Well, if it, it makes common you feel knowledge better. Or not, but. If it makes you feel better, Itagaki joined Tecmo in 92 and was mentored by Inose. Okay. Hey, well, the original Ninja Gaiden guy. So, that that's probably why he goes back to it. I guess, but, so, I did he work on him or not? No. no. Okay. So there no. you go. So he, that, his his he first there, game he worked. He work on him. Yeah. The first game he worked on was Super Techable, and then uh, his breakthrough game was Dead or Alive. Right. Yeah. Doa. Yeah. Yeah. So he worked he, on the Tecmo Super yeah. Bowl for Super Nintendo. Is that what you're saying? That was his first game. S- Super Famicom. Yeah. Well, oh, sorry. Yeah, that makes more sense. Um. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> like, you no, know, I always noticed too. I always thought that this was uh, cross-promotion, although I don't know that the timeline works out. But if you notice, in that first Ninja Gaiden game, there are football guys that have no earthly business being in a game of that thing. <laughs> was that cross-promotion right. with Tecmo Bowl? That, that's, so. that's what I always assumed. Because I was like, why else would football men be in this game about a ninja fighting demons and trying to rescue his father? You know? Like it, it, it's just foolishness. But I'm, I, I, I don't know. I always thought that was kind of cute. Yes, I sent you all a link if you want to see yeah, the, I appreciate that. the list of stuff that he's done. But uh, yeah, we're going to take a quick break. And then quick break because we got to wrap up here soon. Uh, yep. Quick break and then we're going to give another quick quick thoughts in history. Uh, I know Enemy's already given a lot of it. But I want to hear what Mo has to say. And then uh, the wrap up. So stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. So, uh, thoughts and history of Ninja Gaiden Shadow. I'm going to start with you, Mo, because I know we've talked a lot about our thoughts and history at the game already, but I see in the notes you have some other things that uh, you didn't talk about yet. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't grow up with uh, with the franchise of Ninja Gaiden at all. Like, I had never heard of the NES games or anything like that. Um, this game actually came to me in one of those 101-in-1 cards. Um, I'm pretty sure it was called Shadow Warriors on there. So 
Um, I played it through that way, and yeah, I always really enjoyed this game. It was a really fun game, even uh, as a kid, and I'm not sure if I beat it back then. Uh, doesn't really matter, really, but uh, I always played this a bunch of times, so... Um, yeah, I always enjoyed playing this, and then I got into the NES games. I think I have only beaten the first one, though. I don't think I've beaten 2 and 3 at all, but... Uh, but yeah, this one is always fun, and like I mentioned before, I do like to play through this game like a few times a year, just because it's so easy to pick up and beat real quick, so it's always fun to do. Yeah, I uh, history with my with with me. I I actually didn't know a Ninja Gaiden game for the Game Boy existed until 2015 when I started speedrunning and I saw a few people learning the game. I was like, oh, neat, Ninja Gaiden on the Game Boy, and then I played it. I was like, hey, I can be a Ninja Gaiden game. But yeah, I grew up with Ninja Gaiden one. Um, I remember I. I I remember getting it for Christmas or birthday or something and playing it, hating it as a kid because I couldn't beat it at all. <laughs> uh, I could beat, like, the first two bosses, and after that, I was just like, okay, well, I'm going to go back to playing, like, Mega Man or something, something I know I can play. But I, I, So I, I never played 2 and 3 just because I, I grew to not like this series at an early age just because of how hard it was. Uh, definitely it was not meant for children <laughs> um, so uh as an adult i appreciate the series more but uh yeah i ninja gaiden to me was just kind of like yeah it's a thing i know it exists but i really don't care give me mega man give me castlevania give me something fun um Ninja Gaiden, though, Ninja Gaiden Shadow is a decent game. It's definitely worth a playthrough. I wouldn't give it an 80 or a 90% out of 100. I'd give it, like, a solid, like, 70, 75%. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, it's 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 good. I even throw a speed run at it once in a while, too, just to, uh, you know, show people I can still move my fingers quickly. Um, yeah. Yeah, for me, I grew up similarly with the Ninja Gaiden games for NES uh, 1 and 2. Uh, I never owned them, but, you know, they were ubiquitous with the platform, basically. I mean, you couldn't play the Nintendo and not play Ninja Gaiden at some point. Um, so I certainly had my share of getting whooped by those games. Never approached beating either one of them, of course. Um, and in fact, years ago, when I was really still a neophyte in speedrunning, uh, I, I was I had occasion to kind of try to learn some of Ninja Gaiden 2, and it broke me mentally. To be perfectly honest, I, like I just couldn't wrap my head around it. It was it was beyond my capabilities at the time. I just got so frustrated. Actually, that's not true. I could have done it, but I just got so worked up over playing that game and, and like how frustrating it could be. Um, which I mentioned because now it's like probably one of my two favorite speedruns of, of any game that I speedrun. And, and there's quite a few now um, over these years. Um, so, it, I mean, it, it, it's funny how, you know, perspective can, and time and, and um, other games can contribute to changing your opinion on a speedrun in particular or just a game in general. And I mentioned that. Uh, and to bring it all back into what we're talking about today, Ninja Gun Shadow, because uh, I think this was really what set all of those wheels into motion. It was finding out about this game and 
uh, thinking that like, oh, this looks way more approachable. Like, you know, maybe I can dip my toes into these waters and see how that goes and, you know, wound up going pretty well. And then I could parlay that into maybe giving another shot to Ninja Gaiden 2 and then ultimately Ninja Gaiden 1 as well, which is much harder than Ninja Gaiden 2. So <laughs> in case anyone's wondering why I went in that order. Um, and still hope to, at some point to get into Ninja Gaiden 3 too, because I mean, that game, it, it has a lot of style, a lot of, uh, a lot of substance to it as well. And, uh, really good music. Uh, so, you know, hopefully at some point I'll learn that game, but you know, Ninja Gaiden Shadow, when I'm, whenever it's time to run a Game Boy game, uh, for a marathon or for a showcase or whatever, I mean, that that's game number one is Ninja Gaiden Shadow for me, because there's actually a little bit of meat on that bone. Uh, and I can actually operate it at a high level. You know, some of these games, you know, I can get through competently, but not really at a high level. Uh, some of them, they're, you know, like you mentioned Barbie Game Girl before. Uh, not a whole lot of game to it, you know. It's it's a little bit lean on, you know, the actual inputs and, and the actual content. Uh, but so Ninja Gaiden Shadow really toes that line between, you know, style and substance, I think. And... Um, you know, and the fact that it could get me into these notoriously difficult games uh, that that not really plagued my childhood, but definitely like whooped me as a child. Um, it, it, I think that's wonderful, and uh, and I, I really enjoy this game. I always relish the opportunity to get to play it and uh, and to talk about it with you guys today. Yeah, I don't know, cool game. But uh, well, I'm not going to do another break. We're just going to go right into outro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, we don't have to cover the speedrun because we basically did it throughout the episodes yeah. anyways. Yeah, it was well uh, But I must say, this is probably one of the biggest boards that there is for Game Boy speedrunning. Like, it has 28 entries uh, mm. at this time. Kirby. Um, of course, it, yeah, it, you can't compare Pokemon. it to, like, Super Mario Land or, or Kirby or anything. But uh, from the lesser speedrun games, this one sticks out Uh really well because like basically everybody can can learn to speed run this game am i even on the board i am not even wow see all right i have something to do something <laughs> i'll go for place 29 10. yeah there you go <laughs> <laughs> but um community events related to game boy i didn't write anything down because i didn't do the oh power up with pride winter is coming up it's sometime in december <laughs> um, mid midwinter speedball, which is uh, well, another speedrun event. Uh, they have they have dates out. I forgot. I think it's. I'll look. God. <laughs> well, I put midball instead of speedball because I'm smart. There we go. Uh, I can't find it quickly. So just know that that's coming up. I'll look up dates next time because I'm pretty sure that's in like January. Um, AGDQ in January is going to be online. I get to find out this weekend if I'm in AGDQ or not. That's fun. Hopefully I get Shaq Fu in. Um, I highly doubt that, but yeah. Wow. No, I'm going to be the opener for Awful Block with Shaq Fu Game Boy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Tiny 10. That's a thing coming up in November. November 21st, right? Yeah, I'm trying to think when this episode comes out, actually. So, uh, 
mid-November. First it's your light at the 7th, and then it's the 21st would be this one, which is this the day of the Tiny 10, actually. Cool, so go to uh, Retro Gaming Live TV on Twitch, twitch.tv to watch the Tiny 10 as you're listening to this episode. Um... I can't think of any other things happening. Enemy, you're involved with a lot of stuff. What what events are happening that people should tune into? Oh goodness. Well, I mean, yeah, if that's when it's going to be. Oh. <laughs> I'm debating whether or not to say something that may or may not actually happen that is planned for right around the time after this comes out. <laughs> so, uh, so perhaps not, uh, but always, always, always check in uh, with RGL TV, twitch.tv slash retro gaming live TV. Uh, we always have cool events going on there. Um, lots of tournaments, lots of our, our new, newish knockout one night only tournament format uh, has, has been well received. Marathon's coming up. It is, is fast approaching marathon season. Usually at the end of the year we do, yeah. Uh, we ramp that up, and then it leads us right into the marathon season in the spring. Start kicking off with RG Love and everything, but that's, you know, for 2021, which I assume we'll all survive to make it to, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Um, other than that, I may be doing some more streaming myself um, on my channel. At least somewhat more than zero is still more. <laughs> so, <laughs> so accurate. Um, I don't know how regular that will be, so I don't want to put anyone onto a schedule. But, uh, you know, if you want to check me out, uh, twitch.tv slash enemy TV or uh, on Twitter at enemy, yay, Y-A-Y, you can do that. Um, yeah, and uh, that's, you know, that, that, that way I can just say, hey, I'm going live now and then I will go live probably. Y'all should definitely follow, especially for the Macho Man memes. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was not prepared oh, for that. My yeah. voice is not properly warmed up. For the macho man. Oh, yeah, the madness. Yeah, dig it. Uh... <laughs> I'm still waiting for you to play Skyrim with the macho man. I, I mean, I'm, I am familiar with that, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know about the whole plain Skyrim part here anymore, but... Yeah, I, I would not do but, that. But, I mean, I can go on YouTube and enjoy I mean, it. it's coming out for the PS5. <laughs> I'm Marshall sure, it, uh, yeah, I think it's uh, coming out for the Game Boy at some point here soon, so I think it's that's already cool. out. It's already out for the Game Boy. It's called Dragonheart. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did we have any questions, Mo? We had no, a lot, we of, had memes. A lot of We had a lot of memeing about that every game with some sort of a ninja is a ninja gaiden game but uh besides yes, that, that's right <laughs> yeah besides that there is uh, literally no actual question so yeah i mean people know this game so there there weren't weren't any any questions no it wasn't tiny 10 number one so if you don't know it by then then you'll never know it yeah i didn't know it by <laughs> then and then i knew it <laughs> just saying <laughs> Um. All right, uh, outro. So I'm gonna just gonna just barrel through this. Uh, I forgot how our outro works. Uh, you can. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I remember now. <laughs> I'm still trying to wake up. I remember now. Uh, you can find me, Ebud Candy, EBC, whatever you want to call me nowadays. Um, at Ebud Candy on Twitch, Twitter. And YouTube, 
and Instagram. I do post on Instagram once in a while, but YouTube, I actually have the OG Eat Bloody Candy, so you can actually just do the, the slash C or slash U, whatever it is, slash Eat Bloody Candy, and I do stream on YouTube now as well, so uh, suck it, Twitch. And uh, where can they find you, Mo? You can find me on Twitch, YouTube, and Twitter, all slash Moolah, which is M-O-E-L-L-E-U-H. I wish I didn't have to spell this every time, but that's just my life. It's true. And again, you can find our fantastic special guest today, Enemy TV, or Enemy, uh, at Enemy Yay on Twitter. It's Enemy TV on Twitch, right? Yep. Yeah, Enemy TV on Twitch, and then Enemy Invader... Yeah, good luck trying to spell that one. Here you go, Mo. N M E N V A D R. <laughs> yeah. Not a lot of forethought went into this. <laughs> yeah, that's still still easier. Still easier. True. I like true. it, but it's terrible for uh for audience reach. That's fair. Uh yeah, and then you can Did I already do like Oh, I haven't done, done legs yet. You can find our wonderful producer legs at sprinty legs on twitch twitter uh i think she's just legs on youtube and you can find her as legs in the discord as well too and she has a project website www.sprintylegs.com where you can see all the cool things that she has been working on whenever she's not making us sound semi-professional <laughs> um, yes yeah, maybe something has come out uh, before this episode airs, uh, so I'm not gonna say what yet, but uh, she mostly has been working on something in the background. We all have been uh, helping out with it, but but maybe it's out by then, and that's pretty pretty exciting actually. So maybe there'll be a Kotaku Kotaku whatever the hell they are a Kotaku article article, article yeah. about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, Peebs got one. Um, yeah. And then you can also find all this information at. Oh no, we got to Patreon. We have a Patreon. <laughs> I forgot how to do our outro. <laughs> we have a Patreon, so if you do want to support the stream monetarily, uh, you can do so there. Uh, at there's tiers that give you access to things behind the scenes and pieces of the podcast and things of that nature. Uh, once we hit twenty bucks a month, uh, statically, we'll start doing these things live, uh, so you can see how gross i look in the mornings um and then uh if you don't want to do the whole subscription patreon thing uh we do have a paypal so if you just do want to do that one time thing amazing awesome just let us know because we do want to thank you uh we want to give you the perks and everything else but we can't tie paypal in with discord or anything else so please let one of the three of us know uh and we can get you and thank you and do whatever we need to do with you through that. And you can also support us non-monetarily. Just listening to the podcast episodes is enough. Leaving a five-star review saying how amazing E. Bloody Candy's voice is on this podcast and how much they prefer to listen to Moe's lights more than mine is more than acceptable. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, it is it, it's more than helpful, especially when it comes to search engine weird technical stuff and getting known on podcast lists and whatnot. We understand this is a pretty niche podcast, so uh, and you can find all of this information 
on uh, thisisgameboy.com, right? Yeah. We have that now, yeah. We, we got the URL, yay. Thisisgameboy.com. Also, we have a YouTube channel, or if you don't want to listen to it on the other things, or if you want to see a fancy little bouncy thing on the screen, you can go watch all of our episodes on YouTube. Um, did I miss anything? Eh, I don't think so. That's uh, nailed it. Pretty pretty much everything. Well, yeah. On the actual website, you can find links to everything, so you don't have to type in anything. It's always uh, the, very the, useful. The website even has the last episode that was posted. So if you don't want to go to yeah. SoundCloud, you can just go to the website. Yeah. Um. Cool. Nailed it. Ten out of ten. What are we playing next? <laughs> I don't know what we're playing next, but um, yeah. <laughs> oh, you put up- 10 games. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, so so I, I've been wanting to do one of these games for a long time, but we haven't really gotten to it. But I'm not sure which one, so you can actually pick pick with it whichever one you would prefer. But um, I want to do one of the Infogrames games, uh, which features music by Alberto Gonzalez, because one of the most amazing composers ever for video games um so yeah i'll i'll ha- i'll let you pick it can be one of the one or both of the tintin games it can be spiru it can be lucky luke it can be smurfs i don't know you can uh, you can choose your whatever you want actually i've played through all of them i think so i didn't realize smurfs was an infograms game yeah the more you know Asterix and Obelix, like uh, any any Belgian slash French comic, basically is an Infogrames game and has Gonzalez music. Oh, Tintin and Tabel. Oh, I played one Tintin game. It was the Sun one with the slider puzzle at the end, mm-hmm. and I not wanted to throw myself out the window. <laughs> I beat it, but man, did I not enjoy it. Um, I'm trying to think of fun for me. I don't like Bomb Jack. That game can eat one too. I know that you doesn't like, have I, good I, I, music, anyways. I, oh, good. Uh, did was Asterix a Gonzalez game? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do Asterix. That's a very European game. Yeah. First Asterix game it is then. Yeah, we're doing Asterix. <laughs> all right and with that we are gone for the next two weeks well for, I'll, I'll, pro- I'll probably show up with my light after this one but uh, you'll be gone for for a month before the next episode comes out uh but yeah i want to definitely thank enemy for joining us for this episode yeah for um, sure we yeah. we had to like plan this in correctly because we have been planning this for a few months already i think we started uh, planning this before coronavirus which is man that's that just made me sad i just depressed myself that sucks it's like six <laughs> six months ago yeah but anyway yeah, but so. but in happier note thank you guys so much for having me it was it was a blast to talk about uh this this game i, I love ninja Genshadow. yeah it was your pick basically like so we definitely went with it because we all at least like this game. <laughs> it's, enjoy- it's enjoyable. <laughs> at least like this game, so that's a good thing. Enjoyable well, from EDC means it's like a, a 15 out of 10 on anyone else's. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> it's enjoyable, we'll put it at that. It's it's worth a playthrough, unlike Super Mario Land 2. <laughs> 
how. Like, Gar- how? Garbage game. <laughs> when can I come I'm back on for, uh, and debate this with you? I'm ready. For, I don't, whenever we talk about Mario Land 2, which will probably be never because it's a popular game for some unknown reason. <laughs> yes. It boggles <laughs> the mind. <laughs> All right, well, anyway, yeah, that's the outro. Uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you, Enemy, again for joining. Uh, next time you hear from Mo and I together, we're going to talk about Asterix, which is a very European game just in general. Um, I think my light is next, even, isn't it? Maybe. I don't know. No, mine will be. Oh, good. Which I don't, I don't know to... what this. I don't you know guys... what um, Not Mario Land 2. Uh all right anyway y'all thanks for listening bye see you next time in a month during tiny 10 make sure to watch that on retro gaming live tv on twitch tv bye (laughs) goodbye Shout out to Bliggs.